like I was telling you, I'm entirely in favor of us delaying this episode three years so that we can release episode 20 in 2020. That seems a long way to go just to get to do that. And then we can change the name of it to Jonathan Twenty's Opinions on Everything Twentyfold. No, you've lost it. You've got to commit to the bit. No, yeah, even when it's a bad bit. It's going to take three years of planning, dedication, (laughs) hard work and sacrifice. But at the end of it, we will successfully have made a multi-layered 20 pun. I guess. And you can't really put a price on that, apart from worthless. It's not a very good pun. What's the difference between worthless and priceless? Priceless is like... Are you being serious? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying, like, they mean diametrically opposite things, but if you were a non-native English speaker, you'd you'd look at them and think that they were synonyms. Yeah, I get what you mean. Because if something is worthless, in a semantic sense, it's also priceless because it has no price. Yes, but it still has value, and that's where... But if it has value, that means that someone is valuing it, which means they are putting a price on it. I guess there's different types of priceless. Life is priceless, obviously. But like, you know, certain things that have sentimental value but are also valuable, they're not, they would be priceless to some people and then not priceless to others. I'm sure even though you're like, it's priceless, someone offered you however much and you were in need of that, then... It's not technically, I guess, not priceless. So priceless is always contingent on your circumstances and need for money. No, because like I said, there's different levels of priceless. I was thinking about that the other day. I was looking for a book on eBay and, and also other book selling websites. And I saw a couple of copies of it come up with like signatures in them. So it was selling for like thousands of dollars. And the signatures were always like, you know, whatever, too Lucy, best wishes, blank. And I just thought like, how could you sell that? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Especially the the inscriptions that are clearly to like someone that the author knows or like has met several times. And then you just put that on eBay a couple of years later to cash in. That's so strange to me. If I had an author that I really admired their work and admired their, you know, persona or whatever, and they signed one of their books for me, I wouldn't sell that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. What you got to think is some people fall out of love with what they're into, you know? They once might be like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. I got this signed and it's, you know. But 20 years later, they might be like, I don't care so much anymore. Plus, That's it's true. just a scribble. Like, it's not just a scribble. I don't really. I feel like the era of that autograph thing is kind of not. It's not a thing now as much as it used to be. Um, I also think certain people are easier to meet than they ever have been before. So. The value is not as um, high. Like, when I've gone to, like, not sure about conventions again, like I did last time, but when I've gone to conventions and signings, even though I do always participate in the autograph part and I've paid for autographs, like, to go and meet them to get the autograph, it's not to get the autograph, it's to meet them. I don't actually really care about the autograph. Like, and I don't 
display my autographed items. They're in a folder somewhere or whatever. Um, but you're also not really meeting them. You're just being in their presence for four seconds while they... No, you are. Because especially in autograph sessions, usually... I mean, I did talk about last time how there are a few events where it's like you are like cattle and you do get five seconds. But usually you do get to actually have a very small window of like a couple of lines back and forth with the person and if you really want to meet someone that can be very special um plus you then combine that with all the times you meet them across the weekend and it feels great you know but that's conventions yeah book signings are just that isolated yeah i think that's why i think the 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 photo the selfie or whatever with like the person you want to meet has taken over um for me anyway at least it'd be better for me that's like something better to like look at if you wanted like a memento from the meeting the autograph is like not really interesting you know you don't necessarily take it out and look at it but it's a nicer thing to kind of take the picture out and look at the picture of yourself with that person plus i feel like that would also help keep the memory of whatever the encounter was like but so many famous people now you see them in like interviews and, stuff and they say things like i don't do pic like selfies or autographs anymore i just would prefer to just say hi yeah. like how are you kind of thing so that's why you know. i probably wouldn't want the selfie over the inscription in a book because most of the time when you see people's quote-unquote selfies with a celebrity (coughs) it's like something along the lines of they're in the middle of the street and it's like a blurry like clearly they just whipped out their camera phone and was like hey mate come over here and then they quickly leap beside them and take a photo before the guy even knows what's going on Mm. or it's them leaning over a railing at a red carpet movie premiere with like the weird the guys looking the other direction at his handler telling him <laughs> to keep moving and you're desperately trying to like get in his yeah. proximity so you can have a shot of you both that type of thing to me is completely worthless and in fact i it's less than worthless because i wouldn't want to do that if it was someone like i said whose work i admired i wouldn't want to impose myself upon them like that i wouldn't want to treat them as just like mm an object to be photographed with so I can post it online and get some, you know, prestige from having quote unquote met this person, even though I was just in their proximity for a millisecond. So I would not want to do it for that reason. But obviously I understand in the context of a convention, it's all organized, it's all voluntary. It's all, you know, it's very systematized. So no one is just ambushing them in a hallway. I think there are exceptions in terms of like what you'd prefer and what you will, because if obviously you were going to like a book signing, then something like them writing your name and and maybe like something funny or whatever in the book is is something that's really lovely. If it's like one of your favorite authors or something. Um, and then, you know, that's like an exception where it's like, oh, that probably is better than having like the photo. Um, but then I guess if they're not like a writer or whatever, and they are just like a movie star or whatever, or a singer or something, um, then I can see why. But I 
did I have met a few people where it's like that's my favorite person um and one instance where I met someone that was very loud uh, one instance where I, I met no I wouldn't even call it I, I struggle with calling it a meet because it was a movie premiere type situation where there's like a railing and there's millions of people not millions but you know what I mean millions of people <laughs> it was a small island nation that we all yeah boated over to so lots of people when they're at the front and I was at the front they do say like oh can I get a peek and they do they snap that quick like phone selfie but they don't say it they scream it right yeah, I mean, some people ask, some people don't even ask, and that's another thing I want to get on to. But, yeah, when I did it, I this was when I was shyer than I am now, and I wasn't also wasn't very confident. That mixed with... um, I When it's a situation like that and the person doesn't necessarily want to take a photo with you and or they're taking a million photos that they don't really want to be taking or whatever... I wouldn't want to look at the photo afterwards and see the person's face and they just look miserable or whatever. I, I've seen a lot of, like, you know, yeah. oh, here's a fan pic that's just had of whatever and it's out in the street or a restaurant or wherever or premiere and the person just looks miserable and they're not smiling. Or they're glaring at yeah, you. Yeah, and I would hate that. That would kind of break my heart a little bit. Like, So I think that probably 20% and the other 80% was that I was too shy to ask. Is why I didn't do it for this particular person. And also why I don't think I'd do it if I did actually really meet them, like out in the... Like I saw them in the street or at a club... Not a club, because I don't go to clubs. <laughs> I but saw I'm them like, at the club. I was I, buying bottles for everyone. Yeah. I had models around me. <laughs> like at a gig or a restaurant or something, if I ever saw that person, I would never ask for a photo. Right. A, because the type of person that they are... I, they they don't want that. But secondly, I, again, would never want to look at that and be like, you know. But also what else comes to play is in you like them that much, what's actually most important is that you have that interaction. Yeah. And that's what I like to think would be most important in my mind in the moment. I just want to say hi to that person yeah, and have I them agree. see me and me see them. Um, and I can just keep that memory. Yeah, like if I came across someone, and it, it would pr- almost certainly be a writer because yeah. that's who I'm like primarily a fanboy of. Yeah. If I came across them in the street and I recognized them, because I'm actually really not good with faces, even with people that I yeah. know. But if I did, I would, pr- I mean, to be completely honest, I'd probably do nothing. I would just freeze and be like, should I, should? And then they would be like around the corner already. But if I did summon up the courage and the pluck, to you know stop them and say something i would basically just be like hi i'm a great admirer of your work i just wanted to tell you that and then have no expectations of like we're going to take a photo or they're going to even stop and continue talking to me because even if they're like oh okay that's great thanks so much for telling me that and then they keep on walking that to me is enough that's like a good interaction you told them that you were a fan of them they seemed happy about that grateful whatever and then they went on with their day you didn't inconvenience them or try and impose yourself upon them and try and get this like artificial moment of interaction in a photo or an Mm. autograph or something i think as well knowing that some people say no 
I wouldn't want them to say oh, no. Oh, yeah. That would be then, so brutal. Because I feel like you would, it would cut you deep. Like, you wouldn't want it to cut you that deep, but it would. You'd be like, no, you don't understand. I'm not like the others. Yeah. I'm not it, like the shouty autograph hunters. And I think when you meet people that you really like, it is really easy to be turned off by something that they may or may not do. Um, because you don't know that person, and so it is easier to kind of like things to flip in your mind. Um, and that's why they say never meet your heroes. Yeah. Because yeah. you've only ever seen the side of them that they present to the world. You've never seen them just in normal everyday mm. life, their flaws, their foibles. Another thing is as well is when you go to like three-day conventions, part of like the... Pl- side of them that you never see starts to come out because you see them all through the day for three days and some of them go to like the parties and stuff and they act kind of like how they would act and i've even seen people get drunk and like just you know shock horror um so yeah and i i've definitely had that experience where i really liked someone and for a long time too like in terms of like i remember seeing him them in their very first TV show or whatever, and up until now... And you followed their career yeah. for a long time. And I don't like that person anymore. Because of something they sad. did. And- well, it's a combination of things. Just kind of how they were in their, like, autograph sessions, and then mixed with the type of person they were, like, on stage during the Q&As. It was like, wow. Like, we should stop dancing is- around it and being coy. We should just come out and say, it was Noam Chomsky. <laughs> He really let you down with his answers about Israel and geopolitics and well, the role of America in worldwide evil doing. Well, to know him is to love him. You and make so many Gilmore Girls references yeah! on this podcast, and so few people are going to get it. I can't believe you said what it was. That would have been cool for people to just like be like, no. "Oh my god, I know that." That the was fact a that GG. you think that would have been cool means that you are not cool. Wow. Well. Whatever. That's a badge of uncoolness that you that is affixed to your skin. Yeah. And obviously I don't want to be like, oh, I don't like this person anymore, blah, blah, blah. And obviously me seeing them at one convention, it's not me saying I don't like that person because I've seen what they're like. Obviously I haven't seen what they're like. They could have just been having a bad yeah, day. Yeah, I don't know that person. I'm just saying based on that one time, I see them differently now and I I am very turned off by the whole thing. And so it can change. And so you have kind of got to be careful because a part of me, like my really favourite people, a part of me doesn't want to meet them because it would it would really suck if they were, you know, you did catch them at the wrong time or whatever and they were having a bad day and they did kind of just blow you off because they're just regular people and that would suck i agree i also definitely think like a couple of people who are like my ultimate favorite people like i said two things i think i really do think i would really try if the situation was right to go up and say something because i've been in a situation where i didn't it wasn't someone i absolutely loved but it was someone i liked and i didn't and i regretted it and that was just someone i liked right um and I also would like to hope in my mind, even though I am like a picture taker and that is important to me, having like photos of things, 
I do like to think that I wouldn't ask for a photo because I won't because I I want to just be present in the moment. I agree. Um, and only if like it arose naturally, you know. How is it going to arise naturally? That's a really lovely camera phone you've got there, Samantha. (laughs) And you're like, oh, wow. Did you know it takes 20 megapixel photos? Oh, no, I didn't. Would you mind taking a photo of us both? Oh, oh, I wouldn't have asked otherwise. But now that you mention it. Uh, Yeah. uh, Something I wanted to mention as well. I really hate that, like, thing that people do where if there's, like, a crowd around, like, a famous person or whatever, and then kids usually younger people i'm not gonna you know sure um they just kind of run up to them and stand in front of them and take like a selfie with without asking without even speaking and without yeah without speaking they're just kind of like screaming or whatever they don't even really like they there's no they don't connect in any way they just run up and take a picture they want to take something from that person yeah they want to use their celebrity to make a good photo for their facebook wall it's a very strange thing to do that's a very disturbing facet of the way people think about and interact with celebrities they see them as a resource which if you're fortunate enough to encounter you can kind of take a little chunk of it away and use it for your own like self-aggrandizement um and i can definitely see that definitely especially in the modern age and several other things could really make you as a celebrity very very cynical about allowing yourself to have those fan interactions on a wide scale because say if you're an author and you every so often you pull out a book and your publisher makes you do a you know a publicity tour you're sitting behind a table at some big bookseller for eight hours and how many people that come up to you with a book or two book or three books to sign are just going to turn around the next day and put those on ebay and turn a nice profit yeah i think when it's things like a signing or an event like that I don't think it's not like the majority are then gonna say. But how would you know? But I don't think it is. I think it's clear when it's like autograph hunting type of situations. Um, and what do you say if someone says, in response to you asking, "Who should I make it out to?" Oh, I don't want it personalized. Could you just sign it, please? Like, because that's such a blatant. Yeah. If you actually cared about this author and cared about their work and wanted a personalized, you know, signing, there's no way you'd be like, "No, don't put my name on it. Don't write anything about me on it." And so that really shows your hand in terms of I really just want to turn around and sell this. But at the same time, do you like not? want like what's your objection to want like if you're that person and you know someone's gonna want to get your autograph just to sell it what's in your mind in terms of like i don't want them to do that because they're making money off you yeah but at the same time if you're someone who like their autographs go for a lot of money because you're really famous or whatever isn't that just a part of being really famous? Like, the things that you do, however small, like signing something, means a lot. It's going to be sold, yes, so someone can make money, but also so someone out there who can't meet you can have your autograph. So I think you have to think about it on both sides. Because, yeah, the people selling them might be a bit shitty for just, like, trying to make a living out of that, if that's the way you think. But 
people buying them are buying them because they're fans of that person and can't meet them. So I think you have to think about it both ways. But then you've got to think that secondary market where a large part of it is just autograph hunters buying and selling these signed books with any without any reference to who signed them because they just see them as you know assets and then they resell them to other autograph hunters and it just constantly inflates the price of each individual one and so then when in that chain you do finally get a person who actually wants to buy the book because they care about the author then suddenly they're paying like a 4,000% markup because it's been traded back and forth and increased in value between these people who are just buying and selling it as a product. Yeah, and I do think that shit, it makes me think of how um, people buy up like concert tickets in bulk and then sell them. That's horrendous, especially because concert tickets now for like big names are really expensive um, already. And so they get, the price gets like doubled as soon as it's like a third party seller or whatever. And that is horrendous. But at the same time, even though that's shit, and I wish it wasn't happening for the people who can't get tickets, who then buy those tickets, they're real fans. Right. So there's always like real fans on the opposite side. Purchasing yeah. these things but that we wish weren't happening, maybe. That doesn't make it okay. No, it doesn't. Because they were going to purchase saying, a ticket anyway. I'm just saying that person in wherever might not might be so happy that they got a real autograph. Not like one of these like laser pen autograph things where it's not really the person. But they got an autograph. Okay. You know, and that's like That's true. The only way for them to get it. Yeah, I mean I kind of see the argument where you could be like, even if they are just a profiteering autograph hunter, they did queue up for four hours of all the real fans. Yeah, exactly. So in a way, they kind of earned it. I think that's definitely in a different category to the guy who's just programmed, you know, 10,000 bots to the second mm. tickets go on sale. Yeah. Buy all of them in the blink of an eye before a real person could even click through. I do think... There's definitely quite a lot of daylight between those two examples. But at the same time, you're still acting as an unnecessary, unscrupulous middleman between the person who actually wants to give something to the fans and the fans themselves who want to buy that or receive that. You don't have to be there. Like It's not like ticket sellers are an inevitable fact of life. They're just people who see an opportunity to semi-scam people out of more money than they should have had to pay for this thing i think that the ticket selling thing is way worse than the autograph thing because i almost feel like the autograph thing there's almost nothing wrong with that because if you can also make a living out of it you're not actually doing anything wrong you're legit going to an event like you said queuing up for hours you're buying the book to get the book signed you're paying for the convention ticket to get in you might even pay be paying a secondary figure for the actual autograph depending on what event it is you're also getting to meet that person which is the whole idea of that whole thing so you're not doing anything wrong uh, yeah, I don't Also, think... when you go to, like, conventions and stuff, you do sometimes get the autographs for free, but you sometimes have to pay. And if you have to pay, and you pay for 20, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you selling those. Because 
You followed all the rules. You can get as many autographs as you want, but you have to pay for every single one of them. Okay, I did do that, but now I'm going to sell them. There's nothing wrong with that in my mind. It's completely different, I feel, to the way people buy up tickets. Because there's no necessity for that. If the only reason why a person... Well, not the only reason. One of the reasons why a person can't get a concert ticket is because they're all sold out. But maybe they're only all sold out because half the people buying are like scalpers. Um, whereas if half those scalp if those scalpers went away, there would have been half the tickets left. Right. Whereas it's not like that with an autograph. Because you weren't there. It, That's well, why you have to buy also, it on the secondary not, market. It's not limited. It's not you can just get another autograph. Well, it's limited if the author's already dead. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, I just see it completely differently, I think. Like I said, I agree it's different, but I can tell you from my perspective, if I was ever in that book signing seat and someone came up and, you know, unloaded a bundle of 20 of my books down to the <laughs> table and was like, I followed all the rules. I paid for all these. You need to sign all of these. I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Because... You would? Yeah, of course I would. I don't think To I so would. blatantly try and game the system... I would take it as like a challenge or like disrespect. It's like, I'm going to use you like a vending machine for signatures. Like I definitely see how it's not that egregious. If you just roll up with one or two books and you're just kind of a aberration in this sea of real fans, that's fine. But if you are trying to really like push the boat out and really push the limits and do that thing with 20 separate books so that you can flood the secondary market with them. At that point, I'd be like, no, you've gone too far. This is not okay. Just get the hell out of here. I think I guess it depends. I mean, if they're doing that and then they're selling the book for like £300 because it's signed, then I think that's, you know, shitty. But if they sell the book for maybe just £10 more or something because it's signed, then... Again, I'm like, well, that person couldn't get to the event. And so the only way for them to get a signed copy is to get it. I think that's the distinction. It's like, is this guy, like, you go go about it the best way you can. Don't maybe get 50 copies to sign, get three or five or whatever. Don't sell them for £300 each, sell them for just a tiny bit more. Um, Because you obviously did also do the work of going, you bought the books, you queued, etc. But I definitely do see that different to like the ticket thing. I do agree with you that they're not doing anything like illegal or really ethically you know disgusting but at the same time i think it's fair to say that at a book signing event and i'm talking different from a convention context i'm just Mm. talking about a guy in a bookstore there is kind of an implicit understanding that this is an event between an author and the people who are fans of his work and again that's not binding it's not written down somewhere but everyone knows that's the situation and so you are kind of taking advantage of that fact to slip in and try and find a way to extract some money from that situation yeah and that's what makes me uneasy i wonder how i'd feel as an author like if i was ever at that stage of like my autographs were worth something or whatever if i felt like in the moment this person's gonna go and sell them or whatever i don't think i'd ever be like no i'm not signing it 
A, because I might be wrong, and then that sucks for the real fans. I've just got 20 family members <laughs> who are big fans of your work, Samantha. But also, ultimately, I, pro- I don't feel strongly enough about it to be like, no. I mean, is that person going to make money from my name or whatever? Well, I think maybe coming from a place of like... <sighs> If you can make money from something that's not really hurting anyone, then you probably then you should because sometimes it's hard to make money. Yeah, you could be in a situation where you can't get like a uh, for whatever reason you can't work a quote unquote regular job, or so you make money doing stuff like that, buying and selling things or whatever. Um, which a lot of people do now, and so I f- I feel like think thinking about that in my mind. I like to think I wouldn't. I think it's hard yeah. to kind of paint this picture of autograph sellers as these hard up, disadvantaged, no options. Yeah, people but they were at one point who are traveling around the country somehow <laughs> and queuing up for ten hours straight to get an autograph. They're clearly people who can do yeah. what they need to do. So it's not like their only option was selling autographed books. They chose to do that because obviously they saw some profit incentive. I don't know. Just think about it. I can't be like, no, you can't. I agree. Like, it's a gray just, area. It's yeah. not evil. Maybe it's... I just don't feel strongly enough about it to be like, no. You shouldn't do that. But I think you're also thinking of sitting down for, you know, whatever, six, seven hours signing books as an author and it coming up once or twice and you being able to just brush it off as kind of a small nuisance. I think in reality, I would not be surprised to hear that they have to deal with it a few dozen times a day. And especially if you really get to that point where you've done, you know, hundreds of these book signings and you can really laser in on the people who are doing that you pick up on their body language you pick up on the way that they make requests and i think when you start seeing them like every four or five people that's when you'd start to become really you know pissed off Mm. and just jaded about the whole idea of why am i even doing this for the fans when there's this whole contingent of people under this pretense of being a fan of mine coming in and trying to make money off my written signature I think there's also, like, different types of, like, autograph hunters. Like, you know, I'm sure there are guys who just, like, absolutely don't give a shit and they will do whatever they can to get an autograph. Like, sometimes you see, like, you know, that famous person coming out of the airport and there's loads of paparazzi, but then there's also autograph hunters and they're just, like, sticking something in the person's face and begging them to sign it. And they will... go to wherever to get this autograph because they know it will make a lot of money. And then they will then go and put it on eBay for, like, however many ridiculous pounds or dollars or whatever. Then I think there's the autograph hunters who, like, that's part of their job in terms of they might own a stall and their stall goes to conventions and they sell merch for that show or that famous person. And they will have, like, a line of, like, autographed items. And I think that's different. Because they they don't necessarily go to, like, shitty means to get it. They try to get it so they can cater to the fan that really wants it and can't get it any other way. And then there's the opposite side where it's like, I'm going to be a shit person about it and I'm going to take 
as much advantage as I can of this situation. Sure. Like I said, I think there are definitely different tiers. I think really what I'm saying is I wouldn't do it. And I also wouldn't buy a pre-autographed book like on eBay or something like that. Because to me, then it has no worth. It has no value. There's nothing special about it. There's no connection there. And also it's so easy to buy a fake because... Mm. Unless there's a some, and I'm re- very unknowledgeable about this, so forgive me. But unless there's some kind of like certificate of authenticity, how are you going to know that it's really the person's autograph? And so that would constantly be a lingering thought in the back of my mind of, did I just get scammed out of £150 or whatever? Am I <clears> actually <throat> a gigantic fool for having filed for this? And so I would never be able to enjoy it like framed up there on the shelf. Whereas the f- I, I have a few things that are signed and I do have them framed or displayed somewhere because they actually have a greater meaning of I know that they were signed by this person because I had some kind of interaction with them. Yeah, I know what you mean. I agree with you. For me personally, I wouldn't... I understand why someone would buy something pre-autographed because it goes back to what we were saying in terms of like... What if they live in a place where it's like famous people never go there or they don't have that means to like meet them if they do go there? Or there's just no way, you know? Like there's certain famous people that you aren't going to get to, like a George Clooney or something, you know? Um, But also I think for me personally and obviously for others as well, part of the autograph is really just about the interaction, the meeting. Oh, I got this autograph when I met this person and this happened. Yeah. Rather than, oh my God, I got Sutton's autograph. Isn't that so cool? Like, for me, it's different. The autograph itself has no meaning other than there's a memory attached to it. It really just serves as a symbolic reminder of that meeting or that interaction. So, yeah. (laughs) What are you laughing at? I don't know. It's made me giggle. Sure. I would like to have, like, eventually have, like, just a room dedicated to, like... This is creepy. No. To one person. Pictures all over the walls. (laughs) Samples of their DNA in jars on the shelf. Like, dedicated to, like, all the conventions and stuff I went to. Because I have so many pictures of myself with the guests that I met at the conventions. And again, they all have, like, memories attached to them. So it'd be nice to, like, display those alongside, like, the things I had signed and the little mementos I got, like, the wristbands and the name tags and things. I just think that would be a cool little, like, room But why does it have to be a room unto itself? Well, because this is when I'm going to have a house that has, like, 25 rooms. And so that's why it will be normal. Seems kind of wasteful to me. I I knew a girl who had a Hello Kitty room. Sure. And it's funny because at the time, this was before I like liked pink, if that makes any sense. I actually used to be like, I don't like pink. And I wasn't into Hello Kitty at all. I didn't really know anything about Hello Kitty except I knew what it was to look at. And she also didn't really, I mean, this is going to sound weird. I, w- I was going to say she didn't look like she'd be a fan of Hello Kitty. But what does that mean? What I mean is, aesthetically, she wasn't, like, pink, you right, know, okay. or, like, cutesy or, <clears throat> you know. That makes sense. But but when I 
you know, realised she was a fan of Hello Kitty, like she had said, like, I have a room. And the thing is, she didn't have a big house. It was one of those where it was like, she might have had two bedrooms and she didn't have children and one of the bedrooms was Hello Kitty. It wasn't like she had a mansion and that's why there was a room dedicated to it she was just a my reg- friend was a billionaire and she had this weird <laughs> hello kitty fascination she was just like a regular woman on a regular salary but she her thing was that she loved hello kitty and i did see a few pictures of it like there's like it looked like a bedroom as well like it had a bed with like a hello kitty bedspread <clears throat> and, and in um, the center of the room on a little red velvet <laughs> pillow there was a genetically modified cat made to have bleach white skin and big ears like Hello Kitty. What is wrong with you? Um, Some kind of freak of nature to fulfill her <laughs> devious Hello Kitty fetish. I couldn't... Um, I couldn't appreciate it at the time, though, because I wasn't like into that. I actually really love Hello Kitty now, though. But you don't love it enough to have a room dedicated to it, I don't, do you? Yeah. You're very laissez-faire about having rooms dedicated to things. <laughs> the only reason why I don't currently have a room dedicated to anything is money. Like, if I had more money, I would buy more things that I liked. If I bought more things that I liked, I'd have to have room for those things that I'd liked. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, eventually you'd move into a bigger place to accommodate all your stuff. you get more stuff because you have more space. But it's a money thing. The only reason why I don't is because I don't have endless money. I love how you're preemptively justifying this insane yeah. room allocation plan well, for your mansion. Well, you've seen my two little shelves and that it's already started to grow. I love, like... That's two shelves, though. I know, but I do like figurines of things. Not, like, creepy, like, clown figurines and stuff. Sure. But what like, a distinction to make. But, like, you know, I have, like, cute little... Things. Knickknacks. Yeah, knickknacks. Like, I have my little Hello Kitty mermaid, I have a unicorn, my little pony, little chibi from Sailor Moon, Russian dolls, <laughs> as yeah. you do. I always wanted Russian dolls. I remember seeing them for the first time at a friend's house when I was like six or something. And I was so fascinated with them. And I just remember thinking, like, yeah, but you can't... Because they're not a toy. Even though they are Russian dolls, it's not something you play with. And so I remember in my mind thinking, like, I'm going to be able to get some of those when I'm a lady. Sure. <laughs> like, when I grow After up After I've whatever. graduated finishing school. And um, I told my mum this, and I never received Russian dolls. <laughs> <laughs> the tragedy of it is However, staggering. a couple of years ago, for my birthday or Christmas... One of my presents was a set of Russian dolls. And my mom was like, I never forgot that you always wanted Russian dolls. And there was a little note in the last doll. And so I thought that was adorable. If you so, read yeah. this, you'll die in seven days. What is wrong with you? Ruining my little <laughs> fucking... How dare you? Yeah. And then I have like my little... Did we talk about this before? I feel like we talked about the little Funko Pops that I got. Yeah, we have. Yeah. You've got assorted Twilight memorabilia. Yeah, so I would have more shelves of that stuff if I had more shelves and I had more money to... Yeah, but you seem to be saying that it's like unlimited scaling with your money, like how much space and how much attention you dedicate to this stuff. Whereas to me... It has an upper limit. Like, no matter how much I liked figurines, and I actually don't, (laughs) but 
once I'd filled two or three bookshelves of them, and even that would be very excessive in my eyes, even if I continued to earn more and more money, which would allow me technically to dedicate more and more space to it, I wouldn't go past that upper limit because I'd already reached the threshold of creepiness in my mind. (laughs) Whereas you're like, if I had 10 mansions, I'd fill six of them with tchotchkes and little knickknacks. But it doesn't interest you. Those types of things don't interest you. I will go a place and I will see a trinket and be like, this is super cute. I want to add it to my collection. And the only reasons that I don't is because I either can't afford to or there's nowhere to put it. So, yeah, that that's my only reason for but not having more stuff. The things you have on your... And like you said, you have two shelves worth of stuff on a what is it six shelf bookshelf so that's not a lot of space allocated to it but the reason is the things that you have on there have some at least small meaning to you in your context of your life well yeah that's probably also part of another reason is because i'm not just going to fill it with shit that i find that has no meaning you have a set of russian dolls right now because your mom gave you yeah you don't want like 50 russian dolls just to have them (laughs) No, yeah, you're right. And the other things, not the Twilight stuff, but the other thing, well, the Twilight stuff too, but the other things, they were all given to me. Like, yeah, they were all given to me. The Hello Kitty Mermaid was given to me for my birthday. My little pony Steph sent to me. My mom got me the unicorn when she went on a trip. Um, When me and my mom went to somewhere where we got chibi, even the goth the little goth Pez Hello I used to collect Pez dispensers. That's not something you should admit uh, freely, but sure. <laughs> the little goth Hello Kitty Pez that was also given to me. Yeah, so they have all been given to I have not bought yeah, I haven't bought any of them myself. Maybe that was something I didn't see then until now. Until just now when yeah. I sagely pointed it out. When you're talking about your mum finally presenting to you these russian dolls i imagined her being like i've known for so long that you wanted these samantha you wanted russian dolls and then she grabs herself by the waist and lifts up the top half of her body (laughs) and there's a smaller mom inside and And my mom's quite small yeah exactly (laughs) as then she steps out and does the same thing until eventually there's just like a little newborn baby sized mom this is and she says this is who i was all along I don't like I this. I feel so liberated that I can show you my true form. No, I don't like this. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's what the Russian doll legend yeah, was based on. Perhaps. There was an old Russian crone who was actually one foot long. <laughs> Yet again, you are wrestling my foot with your toes. Well, your toes are icy cold and it feels really my nice. My toes are always little icicles on the end of my foot. You want to chop off my toes? I put them in a sandwich. <laughs> what why why does them being cold make them appetizing feels nice <coughs> a warm toe sandwich is gross but a cold yeah toe a sandwich warm is toe sandwich is like a sweaty delicious. toe sandwich isn't it like whereas like You're grossing me out with this well, language you asked with this vernacular of toe-based sandwich garnish sandwich garnish yeah no, it's the meat of the sandwich. It's not garnish. Garnish. Oh, I'm going to really gross you out. Then definitely don't <laughs> say it. 
Well, the... you just think about what the garnish would be no, on a toast sandwich. I don't think I would like Everyone to. Everyone else is thinking about it. I, I'm afraid that that's true. Everyone else is switched off. And I apologise <laughs> that this has been inflicted don't upon your poor, poor minds. How dare you? Hashtag unapologetic. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Hashtag no regrets. Hashtag International Cat Day. It was International Cat Day. Yep. International Cat Day. I feel like he came at the... Shall we talk about the tragedy that befell us? Sad. Okay. So, should we do like a trigger warning? No. Okay. So... (laughs) I, we, me and you have one cat, a boy cat, um, but before... You may have heard of him in previous <laughs> episodes. His name is Rudy. His name is Rudy. He's uber mischievous. Yep. But before I moved out of home, we had several cats. One of them, the oldest girl cat, is called Poppy. Um, and she still lived with my family. Um, so the other day, just it's just a week ago now, I think, just over a week ago, um, I had got a call saying that she wasn't very well. They, that they, they told me what was wrong with her. She had like a heart murmur and there was a blood clot in her leg and some other things. Um... And there wasn't any real kind of like, this is definitely what's happening and this is definitely what's going to happen. It was like, we're not sure, but prepare yourself. It was one of those types of situations. And this was on the evening when it all happened very quickly. This was on the evening. I couldn't go and see her. I was very hysterical. I caught the vet is across the street from where we live. That's how close it is. <clears throat> and it was like five minutes to closing time. And I called them and was like, I live right there. I want to come. Please let me come. And they were like, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. And they were being so calm about it. And I actually said, I was like, what if she dies? Yeah. I was very hysterical on the phone with these people. And they were just like, we've just got to settled and all this crap. And I was just, you know, very upset thinking that, I don't know, it was very much like, why is no one being as, like, urgent as me? Why is no one, I don't know, I don't know if it was just, was I overreacting in the moment, or was it because it was an animal and not a person? Was it just because it would have been inconvenient for them to let me in? Because even though they close, it's a vet hospital, they are still there, they could have let me in. Sure. Um... So it was very frustrating and it was a very long night. I was very, very worried that she might go in the night and I wouldn't have seen her. So morning came and then we got the phone call basically saying she's not going to make it and that they have to put her to sleep. And yeah, so we went and it's very, I mean, I've been in that situation before. Our first boy cat, he had, um, he died quite young. He was like five when he died. And I was there in the room when they did it and everything. Because it is usually, I feel, a case of, 
they're not going to make it. They're in too much pain. It's going to cost too much money. Let's put them to sleep. Like that's the situation. The choice gets made. Yeah, when it's an animal. Um, so I had been in that situation before, but I don't know if I blocked it out because I couldn't tell you the exact process. So I think maybe even though I'd been in that situation before, I couldn't remember the exact process. Um, so we went to visit Poppy and she was very just kind of out of it. She couldn't even purr. It was like very sad. And we just spent a long time being with her and stroking her and trying to make her feel and trying to make ourselves feel, I don't know, something about it, however you're supposed to feel. It was very traumatising and then, of course, the vet comes in every, you know, few minutes or whatever and he's like, just let us know when you're ready. And and it's such a weird situation because you're not ready. You've got to make that decision of, yes, I'm ready for you to put my animal to sleep forever. Yeah. And it's a very... Yeah, it's a very strange decision to have to make. And obviously I wasn't the sole one making it. My 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 you know, my parents or whatever were the ones to basically say. Like I'm obviously they consulted me, they were like, Do you feel ready or whatever? But Yeah, it was very horrible. Yeah. And then obviously they came in and I didn't realise really hurt like that it had actually happened. She looked a certain way, but I thought that was just the effects of what they'd given her. I didn't know that she'd actually gone. And then there was that moment almost just after where I was like, oh, she has gone. And it and it, it pushed me to a point of like, I can't cope with this. I can't, I have too many emotions. I'm going to explode. So then I had to leave the room. Um... And we went and stood in the rain and yeah, outside the, the vets. Rain. So it was very sad. Um, she was so placid and calm already that she did pass quite peacefully. Yeah, it was very quickly. I wouldn't say. I have very strange thoughts. Like, I, ever since it's happened, I will have moments of, like, that last part where they give her the injection goes through my mind again and it's like a switch that's how quickly it was it's like someone just turned her switch off and when you really think about it it's just unbearable it's unbearable and I know you know for some people it's not it's like well it's just an animal it's very different they don't have the same brains that we do etc but to me it's not to me it's not different it's the same I've known people who have died and I haven't been that upset because I haven't known them as well. Does that make sense? Um, So it's not different in that sense. So, yeah. And and then, like, I don't know, it's weird. It's very strange how you feel afterwards when it's an animal as well because people obviously don't rally the way they do when it's a person. Like if that had been a person that died, people around me would have acted differently. But in one sense, things carried on completely normally. And I'm like, 
in my brain. It's like my brain is screaming out, don't you know Poppy just died? Like, yeah. And I, I want things to be a certain way, and not everyone feels that way. So it's very strange when it's a pet that dies. <sighs> but, yeah, she was 12. Little tortoise shell fur, if anyone knows what that means. <laughs> it's like the pattern of her fur. And your nickname for her was Wise Owl? Poppy Wise Owl, because she would just, like, stare at you, and then after staring at you for what seemed like the longest time, she would just turn her head to the side like an owl. And also just her features, because if you know what tortoise shell is, it's, like, all different browns. And it was just so... She did seem very wise as well. Like, she had that look of, like... So, yeah, I called her Poppy Wise. Yeah. And she was my first girl cat. So I'm very sad about that. But then the day got even worse, people. It got even worse. Because we came home. We walked home in the rain. <sighs> yeah. And... Alas. Do you want to tell it? Yeah. So... <laughs> After Poppy Wise Owl ascended to the great cat sanctuary in the sky, yeah. which was obviously deeply saddening and sobering, it fell to me to provide comic relief by, <laughs> well, borderline cracking open the top of my head. Yep. Not, you might think, oh, did you slip in the rain? No, no. no. That's not how it happened. <laughs> I managed to get home safely on the slick <laughs> pavement and then, out of pure stupidity, managed to... Well, what happened was I opened one of the kitchen cabinets that is at, like, eye level and I left it open because I was doing something in there. And then I went across the kitchen... And as I was going across the kitchen, I noticed that I'd spilled some water on the floor um, when I was washing something up at the sink. So I quickly grabbed a big wad of paper towels and I kneeled down and I kind of like crab walked across the kitchen floor to mop it up with the kitchen towel as I was walking. And then when I was done, I just like stood back up normally and it was right underneath the cabinet door and I stood up directly underneath the sharp corner of the edge of the door and that did not feel good <laughs> it was not good it was so yeah. bad that it knocked you off your feet it knocked me right on my butt and i just ran over i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god and you know at first you think oh it's fine but then i was like let me look and usually I feel in those situations, you look and there's nothing yeah, there. It's and it's just like, more, oh, my head hurts, it's yeah, pounding, there might be a lump. But there was blood. Not like, you know... It wasn't gushing blood, yeah, but my head was bleeding. Gushing, but his head was bleeding. And I feel like that should be like an immediate worry because your head is bleeding. I didn't directly see you bang it but i heard it turn to you and then you're on the floor and so it seemed in my mind bad enough to warrant some worry so i cleaned it up so we could really see how it was and even though it was like very small you were bleeding it was like an open cut on the yeah. top of my scalp yeah so after the sort of near your crown yeah so after the morning that we'd had, I was very much like it 
probably was an overreaction, but I was just very much like, no, because what I was like, <laughs> what if you go to sleep and never wake up? This is not happening under the, my watch. Yeah, I was like, this is not happening. I can't, I couldn't think. And it also probably also was a way of coping with what just happened. It was like something to fixate on. Um, it distracted That you. coupled with we're not taking any chances. I was like, we have to go. We need you. We need you to be looked at. Um, well, first you called the. Well, yeah, because I wasn't going to call the ambulance. That well, wasn't of like you I know. wouldn't have let you call an ambulance. So I called the other number that you're supposed to call the when it's not an emergency medical line. And they and they are kind of like trained, so they can actually give you real advice. So they asked us a bunch of questions, and then basically said that you need to be seen within the next six hours. You can either book an appointment at your GP, your doctor. If you can't get an appointment today, then you have to go to urgent care at the hospital. So I said to you, what do you want to do? Do you want to, what would you prefer? And we decided we would prefer urgent care. And luckily they made us an appointment. So we didn't have to just go. It's like a walk-in. And obviously when it's a walking situation, you could be waiting all day. I should just say at this point that this appointment was made over my strong yes. protestation. I had to pull the mum card, as in, <laughs> I will call your mother if you do not just do this. Because <laughs> that's, that's how serious I felt about it. And, you know, you were like, yeah, but they're just going to like laugh at me because it's like, you know, so little or whatever. And I'm like, I don't care if they fall on the ground holding their tummies, chuckling. Like, it's going to happen. You are going. If they ruffle. I was like, what's more important? Feeling stupid like we overreacted or you going to sleep and not waking up? So I was very, obviously I know that it was, you know, mostly because of what had happened with Poppy. But also your head was bleeding. So I, I don't think felt... it was an ultimate overreaction. It was definitely a little bit of one. I felt a little bit woozy and a little bit out of it. And it was kind of hard for me to tell whether I was... Because when I sat down afterwards and you were saying, like, how do you feel? You have that kind of, like, internal dialogue with yourself where you're like, how do I feel? Do uh... I feel any different? And so I couldn't tell whether I, f whether I really felt truly kind of dizzy and woozy or whether it was just me looking for it and it being kind of psychosomatic but also you felt weird in several ways because of the poppy situation yeah that's you felt true. odd so it's like do i feel odd because i've just been through something dramatic or do i feel odd because i just banged my head and then when you posed to me it can either be at your doctor's or we can go to this section of the hospital Obviously, normally, you would choose to go to your doctors, but RGP is not very friendly or competent, and so I just felt like it would be a waste of time to go there, and mm. so that left, unfortunately, only one option. I could foresee it. I was like, we're going to go to the doctors if they can even give us an appointment, because it's, yeah, if they can even give us it's an appointment. It's a whole palaver. Yeah. And I could just see her. She probably wouldn't even look at it. She would just say to you, do you feel sick? If you don't feel sick, you're probably fine. Like, Put some it would have been on one of those. Get some Whereas rest. I knew if we went to the hospital, there was going to be things that they would do to, 
that the regular doctor wouldn't do and i was right you were right they did do things um unfortunately it came at a cost because we had to get a taxi all the way to the hospital which is on the other side of the city and then even though we had an appointment we got there and there was a big whiteboard in the waiting room that said current waiting time even if you have an appointment an extra 45 minutes yeah, we didn't wait the full 45 minutes that's true that's but true. we did have to wait in the typical hellacious hospital waiting yeah. room where there's crying babies and people shouting and looking uneasy and i'm gonna say it and you're maybe judgmental but don't give a shit there was a woman in there who had a baby the baby was clearly unwell that's why they were there and it was like screaming and stuff which you know you forgive to a certain extent because the baby's in well you're in a waiting room that's gonna happen sure. that's not the part that i'm judging i don't care about that the baby kept throwing its dummy like its pacifier on the floor the woman would pick it up and put it back into the baby's mouth oh god she did this three times that i saw and i'm just like hey your baby clearly don't want it I said that in a strange way. <laughs> Your baby clearly doesn't want it. And B, it's being on the hospital floor. And there's all that thing that, that people say, isn't there? You go to the hospital and that's when you get ill. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, she didn't clean it. She just gave it back to the baby. And I understand she's probably feeling very overwhelmed, maybe not thinking right. But that... I don't know. Yeah. It was just it was very strange. It was disturbing. Um and I know this is a weird analogy to draw, but it kind of reminded me of when we're watching the UFC and one of the fighters gets their mouthpiece <laughs> knocked out and it tumbles across the octagon floor, across the blood and sweat and yeah, for oils or whatever. Foot oils. <laughs> I don't know. Just like dirt and grime and and lots of stuff that you don't oh, want to put stop. inside any orifice. And then they just pick it back up and put it into their mouths. It's like gross. you're really rolling the dice with that. But even more so on a hospital floor. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Also, I just realized the word orifice is horrible. It's not the best. I do not like that word. I wouldn't include it on my wedding invitations. <laughs> Samantha Jones and Ryan Who Finch to? cordially invite you to their orifice celebration. <laughs> that got away from me there a little bit, didn't you? I did my best with the material <laughs> I had on hand. And I think, frankly, I should be celebrated for that. More than celebrated, worshipped. I mean... When this head thing happened, I mean, you didn't... I mean, just to give you an idea of, like, how minor may, maybe it actually was, you didn't even need stitches. Like, it wasn't yeah. like your head was gaping open, you know? Um, But he did do things that I know the GP wouldn't have done. Like, he got you to do things with your fingers. He did things with your eyes. Like, you know? Yeah, like, he did even though several they're simple different things, things, they're not things I've ever seen. I wouldn't have known to say to you, can you do this? You know, so it did make me feel better. So even though it's so, it was a couple of hours. That's I mean, it really wasn't that long. It, was it wasn't like an hour and a half. Or something. Let's not downplay how unpleasant yeah, it was because it, especially but, given that I all I wanted to do after hitting my head was just sit down, no, have a nice cold drink, and put my feet up and no, relax. No. I didn't want to get into a taxi and go to a loud, crowded, dirty yeah, hospital waiting room. That's not. That wasn't high on my list of But I'm glad we went because it did make me feel better. And you I'm know. so glad it made you feel better. 
I needed that. Yeah,、okay. I know you did. That's why I agreed to do it. But also, I feel like even afterwards, even if days had gone by and nothing was wrong, I would have been like, "What if something's going on? Something unforeseen? Internal bleeding、unknown. in my cranium." Stop saying that because that could actually still be happening. Yeah, I did worry about brain trauma because I know you can get it from as little force as like heading a football. Yeah, they say. and obviously, I'm not. You know, an expert on this. I'm not a scientist, but that's the type of thing that I've heard, and so I did worry about that.、Yeah. But yeah, I didn't have any lasting effects, and the cut itself healed in like a day or two. It really did heal ridiculously quick. I don't know if that. I don't have any experience. I don't know if hit like the scalp or whatever heals. I've got that Wolverine、really、hyper regeneration. <laughs> Your tongue heals really quickly as well. Did you know that? Of course not. It's like one of the fastest healing parts of your body. I only know this because I had my tongue pierced, and so I just imagined. You know how, like, with some lizards, when you cut off their tail, it slowly regrows.、Yeah. I just imagined you knowing this because one time you accidentally severed your tongue, and it slowly regrowed <laughs> over a process of months. Did you know that? Like, we basically have the. Like stuff. <laughs> This is a very scientific <laughs> explanation from like, the very get-go. Like, say, if your tibial finger gets cut off, we have the stuff to grow it back, but we don't have the structure. <laughs> this might not be a hundred percent true, people. So don't quote me on this. It's not. On but、point. I was reading something about it, and someone was like, "Why? Why can't I, just like how some animals can do it, whatever? Why can't it grow back?" And then it basically the answer is is because. Because we know is because we even though it potentially has all that stuff to grow that stuff that's inside, it doesn't have the structure of the tip of the finger、okay. or whatever, so it can't do it. But it had the structure the first time around when it made your finger. I don't know what it is in this. Yeah,、sentence. I don't know. Maybe we're so unknowledgeable that it's kind of. But I thought that was kind of interesting for us to even be trying、yeah. to tease out the explanation. But you also can't regrow bone, so it's kind of a moot point. But the tip of your finger doesn't have any bone. It would doesn't just it be... go right up to the end of your finger? Well, no. I think it, what they were talking about is like the very tip. Like if the tip of your toe got cut off, and there was no, like before, after the bone, like that's. Oh, okay, yeah. Just like the,、um, almost like just the skin. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just the skin. It's all the stuff inside. Right. Like the. Because there's nerve endings stuff. and stuff.、Yeah. Surely you wouldn't be able to. Why can't we just keep saying stuff because we don't know any <laughs> It's words? It's you who keeps saying stuff. How dare you drag me down this? <laughs> you just said the word stuff. Shameful scientific illiteracy.、Yeah. There's people out there just shaking their heads like you don't know what you're talking about, and you're telling everyone. Oh yeah, because we have a lot of doctors listening to us. <laughs> you don't know what their professions are. I do a, a census every yeah, couple of、do. months. Yeah, think so. So far, it's been ninety nine percent. Erotic dancers. Is what? One percent former Mister Universes. There's a Mister Universe, and I think there is. <laughs> why? Why are you so skeptical? I don't think. I just don't think there is. I think that's like a bodybuilding competition. I'm not like a.、Uh, yeah, but so it's not the same as Miss Universe, where it's like a beauty pageant. Yeah, or maybe I'm thinking of Mister Olympia, because I know that that's a bodybuilding contest. Yeah. There's not like 
male models or whatever you want to call them. Can you imagine if there was a modeling contest for men the same way they do it for women? Uh, That'd be so strange. I mean, there might be somewhere, but yeah. I don't think there's like a Miss Uni- Mr. Universe. I'm sure there are male beauty pageants somewhere, probably yeah. in America somewhere. That sounds plausible. Oh, yeah, because America is well known for its acceptance of... No, but America is well known for its fucking rapid vanity. Yeah, that's... Well, that is true. So, yeah. Now we've concluded... <laughs> We're just going to leave it there, The guys. American bashing segment of this podcast. <laughs> hey, I love America. Let's get on to the important things. <laughs> this is all going to be a moot point when the Western world enters a nuclear conflict with North Korea. Sure. Which Trump... Drags my, us into kicking and screaming. My money's on North Korea. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not a very safe bet. Although, to be honest, if you're wrong, you won't be here for anyone to collect that debt I from you. I won't be here? Yeah, because if North Korea wins a nuclear war with the West, you'll be dead. Because the whole of the West will die? Yeah. Like, because that's how it will just wipe us all out? Pretty much. But they don't even have, like, an ICBM with a miniaturized nuclear warhead that's capable of reaching the US mainland yet. I think I read that. Sure. And we're even further away. So, you know, maybe we can just sit back and watch as they duke it out or nuke it out, if you will. I have to do that so it will stand up. Yeah. Bombs and shit. Yeah. That's what they're saying in the situation room. Yeah. Bombs and shit. What are, we gonna <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, imagine Trump in the situation room. Yeah. Ugh, that's my feelings on that. Ugh. They have to speak in like ultra simplified language. What is? I feel like he wouldn't even have the balls to be like. I don't know what that means because obviously he's like very arrogant, arrogant, prideful. vain, and like proud. So, I what? I hope he just has someone who knows that. Like he's like. His version of Leo from the West Wing is like just sitting next to him. And when someone says something to them, this person automatically translates yeah. it into Trump speak so he <laughs> knows what's going on. Because otherwise... Sir, the Russians have moved <clears throat> their ICBMs across to the missile silos and then the guy leans into Trump's ear. The bad guys have moved their bang bang sticks closer to us. <laughs> and Trump nods sagely. He's like, oh, okay. And no, Trump looks unsure still. And then he goes, big league. This is big league. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, no, he's going to press the button. <sighs> so, yeah. Good times. Not if you're in America or particularly Guam. Well, yeah. Which is looking more and more reachable by the North Korean. Sad Guam, honestly. What have Guam ever done? In general? Yeah, in general. I guess I'm not intimately familiar with Guam's achievements. <laughs> the, the Guamian people. <laughs> The Guami is that what they're called? Guamians? I'm quite sure it's not, but I'm it sounds pretty sure you've offended plausible. some people in Guam. Well, there's only like, oh, I could really offend them if I'm just like, there's only a few dozen. There's only like fee, fee people. Fees are number now, apparently. Sure. There's only I was going to say a few, and then I thought maybe I should say five, and they kind of mixed together to make a you word. Inadvertently made a portmanteau. A port, yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I do know no, what that means. No one, you, you made it worse by saying that. No one assumed that you didn't. Well, I was making a joke that I didn't know what it meant, but then I realised it sounded like I really didn't know what it meant. That struck me as like 
it actually could be a Trumpism when he's talking to his advisors and they use a big word and he turns to them and he's like, I know what that means. Yeah, that And they're like, be. sir, we didn't assume that you didn't. <laughs> and he's like, good then. He's like, you don't think I know what that means. Of course I know what that means. It means good. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, shall we finally move on to the first topic? Yeah, give me of discussion. Give me all your as topics. you continue to brutalize my feet with your feet. Isn't it weird that you're like a size eleven? You're a size eleven, right? Yeah, and I'm a size five or six. Yeah, I'm a size six. So you're almost double the size of my foot. But actually, you think then that that would mean that your foot should look twice as long as mine? I guess, but it doesn't. Okay. Because the sizes go up. Incrementally. They don't go up in like inches because then it would be double. They go yeah, up. Yeah, it's five. A size five doesn't mean your feet are five inches long. Yeah. But I do feel like that is kind of how it seems. I think only to you right now in this moment. <laughs> I'd like to say that you have public support for this, but I'm pretty sure if we did a poll, people would say, yeah, that a doesn't poll? make any sense. Yeah. We'd, a poll? A pole. Are you sticking with it? <laughs> yeah. There's only one Al in pole. Technically, I Everyone think it is that. pole. Because if it was a pole, wouldn't it be spelt like North Pole? Yeah, that's true. Why are they two different words? Because you don't say toll. You say toll. Well, some people say toll. Yeah, that's true. Well, fucking savages. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. I just thought about corned beef when I said savages. Why? I don't know. I used to eat that. It's such a gross food when you think about it. Okay. Yeah. Reconstituted meat product, meat in quotation marks. <laughs> With all the little fat bits. Oh, can you stop? <laughs> At this point, I'm just saying things to gross you out. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I'm like molesting your big toe. <laughs> I'm so glad we got that on record because when I finally come before a magistrate and explain how I've been fetally abused... It's I just totally made up a word. Fetally. Yep. I think that probably means... Oh, wait, that means yeah. pre-born. <laughs> okay, this just got really dark. Footily? Yeah, that's what that's you what mean I meant. Toally? Toally abused? Isn't it weird how you have, like, acquaintances? I'm specifically talking about maybe, like, people online who... In that online world, when you're, like, on Facebook or on twitter or whatever you class them as friends but they're not actually friends in real life i don't think any of those people that i'm acquainted slash friends with online listen to this podcast okay i had a point <laughs> it escaped you it eluded you it was about how it made a prison break it was about how you get to see more of what I'm like on this podcast than you do through the few things that I post online. Right. And so in my mind, it would be nice, less interesting for people to listen to this. But I don't think any of them do because none of them have ever commented being like, yeah, I've listened to, you know what I mean? I feel like they would say, oh, hey, I listen to your podcast, but they don't. But we also don't shout out the podcast in every single social media post no but like on my facebook and instagram specifically i feel like if any of my friend like my online friends on there like i don't know my point is not to be like why aren't you listening to my podcast it's more like i had a thought when i was laughing about the corned beef of like if anyone i know was listening to this 
that would be weird. But then I realised Steph listens to it. And that took me down this path of, like, Steph's the only person I actually know in real life who listens to the podcast. So I don't need to worry about talking about corned beef feet or whatever I was talking about. Okay, I realise it doesn't make any sense. And that you're looking at me like... You have gone off the rails. I've left the room. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on to the first You've topic. made like a mannequin of me out of pillows <laughs> and cushions. Oh, I want a mannequin of you. That's horrendous. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to call you out right now for something that is ultimately pretty adorable. What? The other day when we were sitting on the sofa and you'd woken up before me. And you basically turned to me at one point and was like, I'm not going to lie. I smelled your hoodie at points just so I could smell you while you weren't here. <laughs> I did do that, yeah. I yeah. do that sometimes. That's kind of cute. I won't lie. Oh, you think that's cute, but me staring at you while you sleep is not cute. <laughs> I have no response to that apart from someone send help. I also, I swear to God, most of the time... I look at you because I see that you're about to open your eyes and then you're like, why are you staring? Oh, God. I hate this <laughs> and I'm not. obvious falsehood. But also, what you got to think is, when I'm on my side facing you, you're the thing that's in front of me. So, of course, I'm going to be looking at but you. But why aren't your eyes closed? We're trying to fall asleep. <laughs> I'll be lying there trying to fall asleep and... <laughs> I'll get an itch or something, so I'll open my eyes to scratch it. And I'll just see you there staring at me. And I'll be like, what are you doing? And you're like, I just started looking at you. And I'm like, I- I'm not possibly going to fall for that. That doesn't make Sometimes any sense. that's true, I promise. Look. <laughs> I do have my eyes open until I feel tired enough to close them. That's how I fall asleep. But I don't know why you have to look at me. I don't just close my eyes and will myself to sleep. I don't will myself to sleep. I go to sleep when I'm tired and there's no Yeah, but I even involved. when I'm like super tired, I still don't fall asleep straight away. Just not. <laughs> but the hoodie thing was cute. It was cute, yeah. Aww. But the staring at me as I sleep <laughs> and planning how you're going to dissect dark. me is yeah. not although it's kind of cute to be honest yeah yeah you just see him i like when i fall asleep before you because you're not tired but you sit in the bed next to me and go on your ipad or read or something that's kind of cute yeah but then i know you're not staring at me yeah that's true you know why because it's nice to feel someone's there kind of watching over yeah, you or that's whatever true. Keeping the nightmares at bay. Because once, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> you're going to enter my mind Inception style and fend off the bad dreams. Yeah. I'll steal the Sandman's dust. We're mixing universes here. Enter your brain. <laughs> well, if Freddy Krueger's there as well, then hey. you're definitely fucked. I used to have nightmares about that. There's that scene in the bathtub where... <clears throat> The bathtub, the bottom of the bath is not there and it's like she's drowning and I couldn't have a bath for like a long time. I, I don't know. <laughs> How was that feasible? Oh, you had showers. Shower, oh, okay. But like I couldn't or I couldn't have a bath on my own. I'd make my mum because I was really young when I saw it. I was way too young to see it when You're I five. saw it. I was younger than eight. So five. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and so... I would make my mum come into the bathroom with me because it was terrifying. 
Apart from that, Freddy wasn't that scary. There was that and a few other things, and then apart from that, it was a bit laughable. But Yeah, it does have a kind of weird comic tinge. Yeah. I remember there was like, oh, it's Freddy in 3D. It, it was like a videotape, but you had like the 3D glasses. I don't think it actually worked. Why are you bringing this up? Yeah, I don't know. You're giving product reviews for a VHS tape from yeah. 1991. How old do you think I am? Yeah, it probably was about 1991. 1993, <laughs> maybe. So I was, I was spot on. 1992. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Okay, give me the, give me the first topic. Did I give it you on VHS? <clears throat> give it to me on your, as. Uh, Cut that out. <laughs> you know I'm going to leave all of that no, in. Even the silence. <laughs> okay, give it to me. You know what I was just thinking before <laughs> I finally do give you the article? You know how with DVDs, and I guess maybe Blu-rays, although I guess it's kind of redundant because they can hold such a large amount of data. But do you remember with DVDs, it was a big deal when a film you like came out as like a double like a two disc DVD because of special features and stuff. Yeah. Was there yeah. ever like two VHS sets? Cuz I'm too young to remember the VHS. No, cuz I don't era. think they did things like special features. It was just here's the movie and that's all anyone cared about. So there was no special features until think... the dawn of I mean, DVDs. I mean, there's got to have been something. Maybe things like nerdy things like Star Trek and stuff possibly. But I have no idea. I don't think so. I never experienced that. I definitely was around for a good portion. Like, my po- good portion of my life was the VHSs. So it's not, you know. Um, because you could just put special features on there after the movie's finished. Like yeah, credits and all. Yeah, because obviously some movies don't take the whole video. And some VHS tapes can have longer, longer. Like, spools. Spools or whatever. Um, yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Questions that no one cares about. <laughs> Volume five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was funny. Do you know what that for absolutely no reason made me think of? What? When we were talking about old things. Do you remember when we were talking about f- food that we used to eat? Like meals we used to make for ourselves when yeah. we were younger. And I started talking about the... Um, Cans of macaroni cheese, yeah, that you could get. <laughs> I know what you mean. Do you remember of. what you said? So, I for a brief while was, you know, hymning the greatness of macaroni cheese in a can, which of course is a disgusting concept. But when you're like 12 and you need to make yourself yeah. a meal, it's easy to just put it in the microwave and it tastes fine, yeah. And then we were talking about how I yeah, tried we, it later on in life and it was like nowhere near as good as I remembered. And then we bonded over the fact that we both liked the spaghetti bolognese in a can. Yeah. And um, and we were like, oh, it was so good. And we'd yeah. have like four pieces of bread and you'd just eat it. And then we was like, yeah, but we tried it a few years ago. And what did I say? It was a rancid can of slop. <laughs> <laughs> But you said it so slowly, I like was you just were. Like, it turned into a a rancid kind of slop. It was yeah. like I didn't have the thought you in my brain. You formulated it on yeah. the fly, and it From made you. me laugh so hard yeah, that my it ribs did. hurt. Yeah. It made me laugh so hard that I tears came out of my eyeballs, <laughs> which almost never happens. It, yeah, you laugh obviously, but like 
it does take a lot for you to laugh, like... Uncontrollably. I always, I, yeah, uncontrollably, but also, I laugh, and I'm, like, laughing, and my mouth is open, and I'm, like, really laughing, but you laugh, and it's, like, very... It's... it's what is the word? A Understated. Chuckle. It's very... You know, there's not a lot going on. Whereas, like, you were, like, laughing with your... Like, your mouth was wide and your eyes were just... And you were just... This sounds really weird, but <laughs> I know what I mean. I was laughing hysterically. And you basically. were laughing... You were laughing for a good few minutes as well. It was really laughing, and I love it. I just love it. it I remember the thought process I had, because you started up... You scrunched your face up in disgust, and you're like... It's, like... A rancid, and at that point, I was already primed. Like, you'd taken the pin out of the grenade, and I was watching with bated breath to see what was going to happen. And then you, sl- I could see on your face that you were trying to figure out exactly how to, like, precisely word this to convey just how revolting it was. And you were like, it was like a rancid can of... And then I was, like, on the edge of my seat for this last word. And when you said slop... It was just the perfect word for that gross, like, gelatinous texture of those, like, meals in a can type thing. And I just lost it. Do you remember beef burgers in a can? This, I actually (laughs) just vomited in my mouth. That is the grossest thing I've ever heard. I remember eating, like, chips and, like, so fries and, like, burgers out of a tin and baked beans not even like burgers out of a tin on a bun, just on bu- a plate. On a plate with no bun. Yeah, good times. Not really. It's fine. Honestly. Not nutritionally. Well. Not for your gastrointestinal system. I wouldn't eat that now, but. I'd hope not. At the time, it was fine. <laughs> well, we don't eat anything out of cans anymore. Whereas you eat baked beans. Yeah, on occasion, and I have soup sometimes. But when I was like. For me, it was like when I'd get home for school, if my yeah. mom wasn't home yet to like, sometimes she would make meals or sometimes my sister would make meals. But if it was just me, it was like I'd open the cupboard and I'd look at yeah. the range of cans we had and see like, what did I want to have today? And so it was good because it was like, you literally open it, pour it into a bowl and microwave it, like just nuke it for like a minute and a half and you've got like a hot meal. Yeah. That but when so, looking so back, they are kind of gross. Yeah, it is kind of gross. I don't really like anything I don't think out of a can anymore. I mean, I like baked beans, but I just don't eat them really because there's nothing I eat them with. Um, you eat tuna and sweet corn out of cans. Yeah, but I don't think of that as like a tin. Yeah, because when you think of like a tin, you're thinking of beans or spaghetti bolognese or macaroni and cheese or soup yeah. or tomatoes or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, there's lots of dodgy things in a can. Like, you know when you walk up the tin aisle in a supermarket and then there's, like, the normal stuff, then there's the slightly cheaper stuff that's still branded, and then there's, like, the own brand supermarket basics range where it's, like, 12p for a a, a tin yeah. of macaroni and cheese-flavoured slop. Oh, I feel bad because some people have to eat those things. I can't imagine how that would work because... A normal tin is, like, 90p. Yeah, but when you only have, like, £30 a week to feed, like, four kids, which some people do... Yeah, that's true. You have to just get the 12 pence cans. You know, that's what we used to do when I was little. Yeah, we used to buy the... Like, I remember 
thinking like Heinz was good. Yeah. Because Heinz was like the like most expensive tins you could get. Yeah. We would get like the six beer tins. Oh god. Of like and then I got to an age of like where where like when I was like late teen or like whatever, where we had more money. I definitely had that phase of like, no mum, it has to be Heinz. Oh god. But when I was little I I didn't know, and also we definitely couldn't afford, like, Heinz, so... But also, when you're little, you don't see what's going into the meal. That's what I mean, I didn't know, so I just ate whatever was given to me, <laughs> basically. Or if I, yeah. Broken glass. That's, like, a different story. Slivers but... of mercury. What is wrong with you? Roadkill that's been grilled lightly. Oh, my God, something that used to be... Oh, God, there is a lot of things in a tin. Something that like what a weird statement. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Well, no, I was thinking of things. Nuclear reactors. One of them, I say, meals that we had when I was little. Rasputin's my dad used penis. to make was stewed steak in a can. Talking of which, so gross. I don't like the sound of any meat type thing in a can. Yeah. I don't want meat in a can. Yeah. And you can quote me on that. So we'd have like stewed steak and like potatoes, but the but the stewed steak was out of a can. Right. I remember I was telling you the other day how I used to have potatoes out of a can. That's very strange to me. I never yeah. had that. I was, yeah. We've talked about this for too long, but I was just <laughs> going to say, even, I guess, a, a slight step up from that in terms of, like, an easy kind of crappy, at least in a nutritional sense, meal. Whereas, you know, like, the TV dinner type, like, it's all in a tray. Yeah. A few times I had, like, the roast dinner version of that. Yeah, And it's like, this tastes 40% kind of sort of like the food it's actually trying to make a facsimile of and it's just gross but it's just so easy to slip in the microwave or the oven i feel like even like now <clears throat> they should be able to make one of those and it'd be delicious what do you mean now like we've got some new technology well, i just feel like as things have gotten better or they've gotten i don't know like you can buy like the most expensive one because there are levels. There's like that's the true. super cheap ready meal that's like ninety pence, and then there's like the four pound ninety five one that's in the fridge, not the freezer, so it's technically fresh, I guess you could say. Um, and it still tastes like it's shit. in fancy packaging. However, I say all this, but there is one thing that I do like that technically is a ready meal, and that's the curry. It's out the fridge, not the freezer, so that is better because the frozen ones always taste worse. And it's delicious. It's like on par with some actual Indian restaurants I've tasted. Um, so, yeah. Sure. And maybe it's just the way I like my curry. Like, there's not a lot going on with it. Sure. Which is how I like it. But, um, You're not like a connoisseur. Yeah, but it really is, like, delicious. And that's technically a ready meal. I don't know why we've gone down this path. Yeah. <laughs> just give me the topic. <laughs> okay, so... The first article is on the Spectator website, and it's entitled, Let's Stop Pointing Our Camera Phones at Every Single Thing. Why? <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's argument is basically along the lines of, we've now reached a point in terms of our adoption of technology, especially phones like everyone in western countries has a phone of some description it's just become so normalized and most of them are camera phones because of the point that technology has reached and so we've reached this weird 
apex of the culture of when you go and see something worthwhile, like you go to a museum to see like a famous painting or you go to somewhere where there are famous people or you go to like a monument or a spectacle of some kind. There are so many people who now instantly whip out their phone and watch the whole thing or view the whole thing through their little two inch phone screen mm-hmm. instead of just being in the moment and viewing it with their own eyes and just absorbing it and just letting the experience wash over them instead of just being there their first priority now is taking video of it or taking photos yeah. of it or taking a selfie so they can prove that they were there and so He's basically saying by doing that, you are in a very subtle, insidious way, distancing yourself from the event itself. You weren't really there viewing the Mona Lisa because you never stopped to take it in with your own eyes. You came up to it, whipped out your iPhone, took 50 photos of all different filters and then walked away. And you never just stood and appreciated it with your own eyes. And so he's kind of decrying that weird cultural phenomenon. This is a weird one for me. Um, Because you are a photographer. Yeah. But also, I don't know, also maybe because of my age, half of my life was without the phone and half of my life was with the phone. My age is like the perfect age to be like, I lived, like I just said, half with and half without. Um, So I know what both are like. I think there is an element to that. There's definitely, especially when you go to, like, thinking of a time when maybe it's, like, just enjoy it. It's, like, gigs. Um, And I've done it myself, where you... The constant thought is, like, I should be taking a photo of this. I should be taking video of this so I can remember it. Um, And obviously there are people who take that further in that they have it on the whole time. They're constantly doing it. For me, it's probably uh, like 60, 40 or 75, 25. Like, I I get those moments that I want to remember or if it's like my favourite song or my favourite, like, I don't know, if I'm at a museum, it's like my favourite pieces or whatever. And then I do just try to, like, enjoy it. Um... I think maybe it probably is also younger people that are very much like, let's just do it 100% of the time. But this idea that, like, you can't enjoy things because you're doing that, I don't believe. Because, especially for your people who are younger than us, so, like, I guess what people call millennials or even younger than that, because that's actually how they've learnt, like, that's how they've they're introduced to a lot of things or that's how it's a part of life now you know you get like an like a tablet and a phone at a younger age everyone's taking pictures and videos and snapping things all the time it's more a way of life now than it ever has been so it's normal you know, for like the 45-year-old guy who might have written that article, it's not a way of life for him. You know, it's only been for him the last 10 years or whenever that he probably has even gotten into technology. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's different for different people. I don't think you can't enjoy things. 
Or maybe, I mean, maybe you can, maybe it's different. I mean, maybe I'm saying you can't, it's not that you can't enjoy things, but only because I enjoy things through taking pictures on a different level than someone who just likes taking pictures because they have a phone and they want to post it to social media i I like taking pictures because i'm a photographer that's like a different not to be like that's better (laughs) i don't mean it's better i just mean it's different um yeah for you it's like thoughts about it i'm trying to formulate them but for you, it's like a creative endeavor where you get to express yourself artistically. Whereas I think for most people who take 500 pictures of, you know, the Leaning Tower of Pisa or whatever, they are doing it solely so that they can post it on their Facebook or their Instagram to like have this marker of, I went to this place. Everyone, yeah. look, I'm here right now and I'm seeing this thing, even though they're not really seeing it because their main focus their main priority is to get those photos of it and they want to look at it to look a certain way it's not just i i'm here i visited this place it's look what i am seeing and i make you see it the way i want to see it and obviously like i do take photos and post some of them online but i don't think i ever take photos to post online if that makes sense i just have a selection i like to post but i mean if you had ever gone to my instagram you'd know that actually a lot of the stuff i post was taken two years ago like it's not usually me saying oh look where i am today it's oh look at this photo i took a while ago you know what i mean so i think also for people who are into photography or it's weird because when I say, like, I'm a photographer or whatever, I don't work as a photographer, if that's what you want to call it. Like, I'm not a professional photographer in the sense that <clears throat> I don't make money from it. It's more of a passion in the sense that... This is going to sound really fucking pretentious, but, like... <clears throat> I would actually probably categorise myself more as a documentarian in the sense that I've always liked to take pictures of everything. As young as, like, 11, I would get our little compact point-and-shoot and take it to school and take photos of my friends. When I would hang out with my friends outside of school, I would, again, take that little shitty camera and take photos. And I didn't even always get them developed. It wasn't about... It wasn't even always about, like, because I want this photo to whatever. There's just something about that act of knowing you're getting that moment, whatever it is, is very satisfying to me. And I've always done it. It's obviously stepped up with camera phones because it is easier to, like, just take out your phone and take photos of things rather than carrying around your big camera. Um, especially if you do are into cameras and you have, like, several different ones, you have to decide which one you want to take. Um, but, yeah, I'm losing my... Because I have so much to say, I feel like I'm almost not saying anything. No, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> I think it's a valid point, the distinction you're making. <laughs> Um, 
you don't post like if we go somewhere and you take some photos i do notice that there is usually sometimes a gap of like a few months before they end up getting posted on your instagram or whatever because you treat that type of thing as a very secondary expression of your passion for photography it's very much more so like here's a very highly curated exhibition of the photos that i've taken in the last couple of years like as i get the inspiration to pick them out of this backlog and focus on that particular one and edit it and present it in a certain way to give you like my definitive version of this photo i took and that is like i said very very different from people who ultimately don't even care about the photograph itself they don't care about the composition or the the personal meaning to them it really is just like a token of proof that they were in a particular place or they met a particular person and so i think that is ultimately night and day yeah it's definitely for me less about the finished thing rather that like the most favorite part of taking pictures for me is taking the picture yeah whereas in terms of what this guy is talking about, he's just talking about regular people who are like always on their phone. To them, that it's not a, about taking the picture at all. It's about posting it on social media or showing your friends where you are and what you're doing or whatever. It's not about taking the picture. It's the process after that, which is sharing it. Whereas like, my most important thing is to actually take the photo. Like, something happens. God, I sound like an idiot. Like, I've said to you loads of times, I hold my breath when I take a photo. Um, Especially if I'm using a camera. I do it a bit less with my phone. But it's like this very real, like, it makes me high. I can be taking photos and I feel high from it. Because you're, like, hyper-concentrated on getting it exactly yeah, right. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like I guess, think, think about in terms of, like, that you can relate to. It's <clears throat> writing a really great line of something. Yeah. Um, or It's like when you get into that flow state of you're no longer having the conscious thoughts of I'm now writing this and I'm going to do that. You just are typing and it's coming out of you and you're completely connected to the thing you're creating. Exactly. And that's how I feel when I'm taking photos and I hold my breath and I get this way about me and it just feels really great. Sure. Like, I think also that's been partly why I <clears throat> I don't do it, I guess, quote-unquote professionally because the it always... That process of taking a photo and also how what I used to do, I used to like work in the dark room a lot. Like I have my own dark room set up. So not only was I doing it while I was at college and while I was at university, I was doing it while I was at home. It's very satisfying going in the dark room and process like again, the most exciting parts were taking the photo and then processing it. It, it that seeing it afterwards was also really great, but it wasn't anything like that feeling you get when it's like, this is so great, I need to take a photo. But it's in a different way than like, I need to take a photo and post it on Instagram, or I need to take a photo and send it on Snapchat or whatever. 
Like I said, not better or worse, just different. Yeah, like, I think it'd be ridiculous to accuse you of being kind of, like, elitist. Because it is just two different levels. Like, in my wheelhouse, as a writer, obviously we're both writers, but you're talking about photography. In a mechanical sense, someone who writes a text without the shop and they text their significant other saying do we need milk they have just formulated a thought and written it out and sent it so they have just written something but that is qualitatively in a very significant way different from sitting down and trying to write something like a story or an essay or something like that they on the surface seem like the same type of thing you're writing a string of text in either case but ultimately there is orders of magnitude difference in terms of the thought being put into it in terms of the significance in terms of the meaning you're investing into it i like this i've thought about it yeah and so i like that it's not like then you turn around and say you know you're stupid because you don't write in the same way as you know people who take writing seriously, quote-unquote. But it is fair to point out that there are different levels of it. Mm. Although it all seems, if you were to look at it in a very simplistic way, it all seems like it's the same. Once you really dive into it, you realise that there are definitely like layers and categories and different ways that it can manifest itself. Mm. I think as well also, it what comes into play then is why like what you're taking it for and why you're taking it um like i said a lot of people they're on their phones constantly but people on their phones constantly they're all doing different things not everyone is doing the same i feel like a lot of times when people say oh they're always on their screens they're always on their but they're not like either a only playing games or b only talking with friends i feel that's those are the two things that people just think they're like wasting their time with they're not like learning anything but what you've got to think is people are using it for all kinds of things yeah in terms of just like not like taking photos and stuff obviously people like they're reading they're writing they're learning um they're watching documentaries or watching videos or whatever there's lots of different things um in terms of taking photos and like video of things and capturing it there's so many different like reasons why people are comfortable with doing that and how and why that's become a way of kind of being like for some people it's an automatic thing oh i need like i should be taking a photo of this i should be filming this they don't even think about they it. don't they don't think about it and that's like me i don't think about it it's what i like what i'm comfortable with i've told you my reasons blah 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 deal with it yeah and then there are people who don't it's not their automatic response like your automatic response is not to take a photo yeah you often only take photos because you want to show me because you know i will appreciate it um so it's just different it's just different they're just different levels of like that need and that compulsion to do it it's also kind of like it made me think of something as well that kind of fits into what we were talking about earlier. Um, they're also like taking photos and things of what some people might seem inappropriate. 
um, like white. Like I feel like as soon as you whip your phone out, you know what comes into my head? People just think, oh, you're trying to take a selfie. Why are you trying to take a selfie at this moment? But that's not what I'm doing. Like, especially like if you are taking a photo because you're a photographer or you're an artist or you're making a documentary or whatever it is, or you see yourself the way I see myself, it's just something I need to do. And it doesn't mean I'm going to go and put it on Snapchat. It doesn't mean I'm like saying this isn't the moment that it is. It's just something I need to do. Yeah. You know? There's, again, it's, although there are these situations, these actions that can seem superficially similar, like if there's a car crash in the middle of a busy city center and on the one hand, there's the guy who just rolls up and says, oh my God, I can't wait to post this to Twitter. This is crazy. Look yeah, at that car gross. on fire. And he whips out his phone. He starts taking pictures. That's one thing. On the other hand, if a guy rolls up who's a photojournalist, he works for a newspaper and he says, I should document this for yeah. the news. And he takes his camera out and starts taking pictures. They're both doing the same thing in response to the same event. But it's all about the intention behind it. It's yeah. about the context. Because I also don't think that first guy who rolls up and takes photos, if he's in, like, and he's not, like, a photojournalist or whatever, and his intention is to just, like, put it on Facebook and be like, oh, look what I just passed, like, yeah. whatever. That's gross. But if he just wanted to take photos because he felt compelled to, but then he doesn't do anything with them, which is what I would probably do, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. But everyone else thinks there is. If you're standing there taking a photo of a car on fire, like, or whatever, it looks bad. And I wish it didn't, because there are situations where I want to take photos and I'm only taking them for me. I'm not doing, like, in certain situations, I'm not doing them for any other reason. Now, I may not even look at them. Yeah, I I definitely get that because you in that situation, you're taking photos just for you to document this event from your perspective in the small way that you were involved in this as a bystander you in a sense you're documenting that rather than the event itself but i do think there are certain times and places where you maybe you can after some time has passed and the emergency is over maybe then you can do that but i think there are some times when you should hold off on taking photos like if something is still occurring, like some kind of accident, some kind of tragedy, I think, and that's something that this guy mentions in his article about how you see all these videos of like someone falling over on an icy pavement and hitting yeah. the head. And it's just like someone is standing there silently filming this person as they crack open their skull. That is a weird like semi sociopathic response that in a weird way has become instilled in some people because they almost go into that like zombie like trance where it's like i'm just i'm not even here i'm just recording this for the eventual youtube video yeah. i'm going to upload and hopefully it will get you know a lot of views and that i think is very different from what you're talking about yeah it is i do think that's bad and also when i was talking about like that, for instance, of, like, a car being on fire or whatever, it's not going to be the first thing I do. Like, you go and to assess a situation, and if it's something that you're not a part of, you, there's no way that you can help, 
help is happening you know there's not like a woman dying on the floor in front of you or whatever like that's different yeah if it's just an accident and there's like only cars or whatever and there's no people that's di- a different sure. type of thing that's like a structure on fire um and also like i said the intent my intent is not to put it anywhere it's just for me um and it's for me in a way that i may not even ever look at it again Whereas, like, you're right, that weird thing... Like, there was that story not long ago about those people who, like, filmed that man drowning. That was different, though, because they were acting maliciously by not No, yeah, that's what I'm him. saying. And then there's that, like, other extreme yeah. of, like... Their instinct, for whatever reason, was not, what can we do to help? If we can't physically help ourselves, we should call someone. Right. It's let's just get out our phone and start laughing or whatever. That's a complete extreme yeah. of what we're talking about. But in a more innocuous sense, like in the example I, I was given, people cannot necessarily be bad people, like in the example of that drowning incident. But as soon as they pull out their phone and they put themselves physically behind that camera and they're viewing it through the screen, I think there's this weird kind of yeah. mental distance that occurs for them where they feel like they're not really there anymore. They're so focused on capturing it as a video or stills or whatever that they feel separate from the event that's occurring like 20 feet in front of them. And that gives them that kind of excuse morally to be like, Mm. well, I I didn't intervene because I was, you know, I was trying to get the video of it or whatever. However they want to justify it to themselves. It doesn't make any sense, of course, but I think... That is why you see all those weird videos where you're screaming at the screen, why aren't you going over and helping them? And again, it's not necessarily because they have some kind of psychopathy. It's just because they don't feel like they're involved. They feel like they're a separate bystander. I think I disagree. You know why? Because I think it's more likely that actually they are already have inside them that like weirdness to like be malicious or have like no compassion or just think everything is fucking funny and hilarious when it's not you. And then they take that that's that thing that's already in them to react that way. And they just have that added extra thing of, like, what's even funnier is if we just get out our phone and film it or whatever. I don't think it's the other way around, in that a completely normal person can disassociate themselves from something just because of a phone. Okay. Especially when I think about how taking a photo makes me feel. It's like an intimate thing. It's like, I I think... I liken it to like maybe how a painter feels when they're painting something. It brings you closer to it, not separates you. But again, that might just be because of the way I'm coming from it. Like, yeah. So I, I maybe you're right, and I just can't feel yeah. it because I can't feel it. But I don't like. I don't think I can agree with the idea that all those people that do that are doing it just because the phone somehow separates them. No, I think. Based on, like, my experience with people and also then viewing the world through, like, the internet and stuff, people suck and they're shit and they do horrible mean things that they don't think has consequences and that doesn't affect them. If we saw something horrible happen to someone, the type of people that we are and that a lot of people are, 
their first instincts are to help. And if they can't help, it's a fucking tragedy and the sadness. For some people, it's funny and it doesn't affect them because they don't know them and whatever. It has nothing to do with the phone being in front of them. I think it just adds that extra level of fucking disgustingness of that how that person is. Yeah, you may be right. I may be being too lenient on those people, giving them an out of... Maybe there's just some kind of weird psychological disconnect. Maybe in this strange modern day technological dystopia, the real up-to-date test for like sociopathic instincts or tendencies is all of those people, you know, and you can find them easily on YouTube who did upload those videos of people in distress or people getting hurt and they're just silently filming it. Yeah. It is in a way very <clears throat> inhuman because the the normal human compassionate response is to intervene, is to try and offer help, especially if you're the only person there. I think also what the real problem is, is not necessarily like the taking photos and like seeing things through a lens in terms of what this guy is talking about and being detached from things it's more like people get so caught up in what's happening inside their phone if you know what I mean in terms of like the worlds they can connect to whether it's like their actual friends or their online friends or getting addicted to like um getting followers and likes and things that is more troubling than like this constant need to take photos of everything not troubling troubling is one word that's more of like a reason why someone might be disassociated or detached from something not their need to see things through a lens it's more like they're so caught up in this world rather than this world and i think that's a different argument and one that's more i think real than this because you can still appreciate i mean not everyone obviously does but you can still appreciate things while you're documenting it yeah i mean you know there's more vloggers now than ever you know people who don't even you probably don't even think have like super interesting lives they they vlog everything they do and they haven't even left the house like but is that enriching their lives for some people it is. I mean, I don't know. Like, there is the weird, a weird satisfaction of, like... This has been captured on film forever. This has ta- been taken, and obviously someone out there is interested in it. You know what I mean? So I, I, I do... I Yeah, I just think the argument is a bit shallow. One of the things that this guy says that's kind of related to that is... He's like, all those photos you take of random trivial things, like, oh, that's an interesting shaped bench or whatever. He kind of derides people who do that and says, no one is ever going to care about this photo. Like, it was completely pointless and silly and childish for you to stop and take a moment out of your day to crystallize this image of something trivial and unimportant and mundane. But like you were saying earlier, and you are completely right, I don't take photos to take photos. Like, I've, I can't, maybe it's happened a few times. And you're younger than me. Yeah. Where I've stopped and I've really thought about how I'm framing it, mostly in London when I was taking pictures of like, 
you know, landmarks and mm. like buildings and stuff like that, like important, big, you know, magnificent stuff. Mm. But, you know, in so in that instance, maybe I would care about the framing and the focus and the lighting and whatever it is. But most of the time, because I'm not a quote unquote photographer, it is a case of like, I'm walking home from the shops and I see a hedgehog. So I crouch down to take a photo of it because I want to come home and show you particularly. It's really just me. It's not about the photo itself. It's not about how good of a photo that is. It's just me giving you a visual reference of what I'm telling you I just saw. And so that goes back to what I was saying earlier, where everyone can write you know if you're Mm. capable of writing but not everyone is a quote-unquote writer everyone can take photos because all you have to do is bring up the photo up on your phone and press the shutter button but not everyone is a quote-unquote photographer and again that doesn't have to be this weird kind of holier than thou elitism it's just a simple recognition of the fact that some people put so much time and effort and thought and like they pour their creative instincts and their soul into like this is how I express myself this is how I articulate how I view the world and other people just take pictures of benches to put on Instagram and say lol and that is different yeah yeah I think so too and I think what you probably think I think I don't know why there had to be like 10 different words there that all meant the same thing. Um, Welcome to my world. I think most people probably take photos the way you do, but maybe more than you do because you take them quite, they're few and far between. Yeah, that's very true. In the sense that you want to show someone something and they're not there. But going back to the point of what you were talking about, this guy and him talking about the fucking bench, who cares if no one cares this is a cool bench? You care. You cared enough to have that instinct that you wanted to take a photo. And whether or not you're going to look at it ever again, that's what the world is now. We have this technology and we're going to use it. (laughs) And I don't understand this weird backlash of like... You know, why we're always on our screens? Why we're going to take photos of everything? Well, just because that's the way the world is now. And if you don't want to do that, don't do that. But don't be annoyed at other people for doing that. If they, you know, we have this technology and you can use it or you can't use it. Like we've just established, you use it in in the lesser way that we were talking. And I use it in the more extreme way. I cannot leave my house for two weeks and yet I've accrued a hundred photos on my phone. And it's like, but that makes me happy, you know? And it's not in any kind of like, and this is a whole other argument because there are obviously people out there to do it who do it for likes and shares and all that crap, which some people may deem as like shallow and superficial. Um, But even if that is your reason, so what? If that is satisfying you in the moment, that's satisfying you in the moment. If you are going to be this uptight guy who's pissed off at the world because 95% of the people you know are doing it and you don't like it, well, just get a grip, man. Like, just get a grip. No, I want to go back to living like it was in the 1960s. And also, it's not like photography is a new thing. But yeah, go on. Yeah, well, they were taking daguerreotypes 100 years ago, but it's not the same as whipping out your iPhone 7 and snapping off 500 photos of a frog in the road. (laughs) Frogs are cute. They are very cute. Um, What I was going to say was, 
there is especially amongst older people that weird kind of it's a mix of nostalgia and also nostalgia which has kind of transmuted into reverence for the pre-technological age where it's like back in the 60s we didn't have smartphones and stuff and so if you wanted to look something up you didn't just pull something out of your phone and google it and get the information in 10 seconds you had to plan to go to the library in two days and search for a book for four hours five different books and that was much better and more fulfilling and more wholesome it's like no it's just two different things and one is more convenient and one is more modern they're not necessarily better or worse than one another you think that the older version is better because that's what you grew up with and a 14 year old kid now thinks that googling everything Mm. four thousand times a day is better because that's what he's grown up with but it's just the progress of civilization and technology and the way that we evolve as people and we and you can like and some things newer are better and some things older are better that is a thing like but be real about why you think it's better. Like, I think it is better that I can just look things up in five seconds on my phone because I am a person who likes to look things up. I look things up probably at least twice a day and that's that's exaggerating because it's probably way... I mean, not exaggerating. Underestimating. Underestimating because it's probably way more than that. I am one of those people who likes to look every single thing possible up. And what that there is... There can never be anything wrong with that because as you're doing it, you're learning. And yeah, you may be learning about stuff that you don't need ever again, but you're still learning. And I know for a fact, if it was the case that I had to go to the library and read five different books to find something out, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. But because I can do it so quickly and so easily and so much that it's not inconvenient, I'm, I know more than I know I would have if I didn't have this technology. Yeah. Whereas there are some things that people prefer that were like how you did it just 30 or 40 years ago. Like some people like typewriters. They don't like computers. Some people probably still write with a pen and paper and then when they're done, they type it up. You know what else is also better for some people? Film photography. So Vinyl sounds better than CDs, man. Yeah, and vinyl's back in now. Like, everything retro is back in now for that reason. But you can still use those things alongside the things that we have now, you know? Yeah, and I do think that these neo-Luddites do have a point in terms of their is always a downside to things. There's always a devil's bargain you have to strike when a new technology makes something easier or more convenient. Like you were saying, you now look up everything. So you look up the important stuff that it was actually valuable knowledge for you to gain. Mm. But the counterweight to that is you also look up this trivial stuff that you otherwise wouldn't have gone to the effort of finding out. And that then clutters your brain too. So there's yeah, a yin and a yang to it, just like anything else. And you have to kind of find a happy medium between those two yeah. and try and, you know, minimize the, the downside if you can. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting that you said that you filmed at gigs before, because that's something that I have like zero tolerance for. 
Yeah, it's weird. I kind of, it's funny because when I watch like YouTube videos of live performances and everyone has their phones out, I get kind of mildly annoyed, just I guess like that guy, but I squash it immediately because I remember how I feel myself when I'm at gigs. And I started going to gigs when I was like 13, so there wasn't camera phones then. Um, <clears throat> and obviously I didn't bother taking my my compact point and shoot because it wouldn't get anything it would be too dark um so i didn't document anything at gigs then and then i remember the first kind of camera phone i had going to a gig and just getting extremely shitty like shitty 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 grainy dark not good photos you couldn't even tell who this person was but i think then at that point it was it was a little bit of a novelty in that I can capture this now. I can capture this moment and I can look back at it. Whereas couldn't I couldn't before. Um, the reason why I haven't fallen into that lane of just documenting the whole thing now that it's possible with like better cameras and stuff or camera phones is partly because I know I could find better photos of it like online afterwards because there's always going to be someone with a better camera or a better phone or often there's actually professional photographers at the very front um and the other reason is that I've come to realize after going to so many gigs that I don't need to watch the videos back I don't need to look at the photos because going to a live gig is like really special when you're like a, a huge fan of that person the feelings that you get from like hearing those songs live is enough of a high that you don't need that well that's kind of how it is for me anyway so I try not to do it too much initially I will get like a couple of snaps and maybe I'll get like a 30 second snippet of my favorite song or something just because it it's special to have that but I'll try not to do it too much yeah, you bring up the same point that this guy brings up, and I think it is a good point. That whole mentality of, I've got to capture this so that I can watch it again later and relive it. And he says, like you say, well, most likely it's being professionally captured by mm. really, really good cameras, by a camera crew that knows what they're doing, that has microphones everywhere. And if you really want to go back and rewatch this thing that you were there for anyway, you saw it live, you saw it in person you can just go back and watch the professional mm. commercial recording of it. And I think that is a good objection to this whole, like you said, when you look at video of a crowd at like a music event or anything really, like people even do it at like theaters now, even though you're not supposed to. Yeah. But if I was in the crowd and I looked and I was trying to look forward at the stage and I saw just a wall of like glowing screens I would be pretty goddamn pissed, honestly, because I'm not here to watch it through your, like, iPhone screen. I'm here to watch it with my eyes directly seeing what's going on in stage. Mm. And you are kind of detracting from other people's experience because now they're being constantly distracted by these glowing rectangles floating in midair. What you're going to think as well, though, is, is it's not like most people when they're taking photos or video at something like that they're not watching the gig through their phone they're holding up their phone and do looking at it at the same time do you see what i mean but then you're blocking so, other people's view of this 
spectacle. But in a gig, unless you're at the front, you can't see anyway. Unless it's a big arena and you're way at, at the back and high, in which case no one's in That's front of you. That's a really weird, weak excuse okay, for people well, being inconsiderate. Okay, but you've also got to just be hip to the fact that it is a thing now. If you're going to expect no one's going to have their phone now in a world where everyone has one and everyone, nearly everyone likes to take photos and videos of things and it's going to bug you that much, then you need to either make sure you're at the front or not go. You just be annoyed about it, but it's your annoyance isn't going to change the way it is. Okay, but there's a difference between saying you should recognise it's going to happen and you shouldn't criticise the fact that it's stupid and rude. No, obviously you can. I'm just saying that's the world we live in now. And I know some people, for some people it's like super shitty. I like this idea that's emerging now, especially amongst comedians, because obviously they build a set of material up and if someone puts that on YouTube, you know, it kind of ruins the fact that they're going to eventually present it you know, on a specific tour or they're going to record it as like, you know, an hour special or whatever. But there are some artists that have live shows, whatever their particular medium, that at the door you have to hand over your phone. Or I also saw this thing where you get given like a lock, lockable pouch yeah where you put your that. phone in and they lock it and then so you can't access your phone but you keep the pouch with you so it can't be stolen and then on the way out they unlock the pouch yeah. i like that idea a lot i know a lot of people are probably going to chafe at it like i've got to check my emails 25 times over the course of this half hour gig but it's like if you're there to see it you're there to see it and you shouldn't be able to determine that someone else has a lesser, inferior experience because you want to hold your iPad up, you know, overhead and block everyone behind you. It's very weird that you like that idea. Thinking about the type of person that you are and all the beliefs you have in terms of, like, people's, like, freedom <laughs> You think it rights. goes against my it's libertarianism. Like you think it's okay to attend an event and be told that you can't have your phone. Yeah, I do. I think in reality you'd be annoyed at that. No. I, I do think you would. I think it's a private event at a private venue, and it's their decision whether you could get to come in with your phone in a pouch or not. I would be pissed at that, but... Okay. Uh, but that's because you're a rebel without a cause. <laughs> You're James Dean of yourself. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just... Look, they... I've borne plenty of inconvenience <laughs> when it comes to photography. If we want to talk about hey, the many, many times... about me? We'd be walking through London. Like, we couldn't even get down a street without three or four <laughs> stops of you being like, can you just stop for a second? You know what? And you take out your phone and you stand there for like five minutes framing the perfect photo. You knew who I was when you met That's me. That's very true. And I'm not complaining about that, although obviously I am. But I'm just saying like, you know, I've paid my dues when I it comes to inconvenience costs. I try not to let the fact that sometimes I know you pissed that we stop so much get in my way because... I want to be taking photos of things and I don't want anyone to be telling me that I can't take photos of things that I have every right to be taking photos of. Um, the other thing I was going to say is not to always bring it back to conventions, but I am and suck it. Um, when the three day conventions that I've been to usually at like 
the opening ceremony, kind of, like, which is the first thing that happens on, like, the Friday evening, um, they bring out, like, all the guests on stage. And obviously everyone's instinct is to take photos. But what they rule, the rule is, usually, is you can only take... I know this is not even the same, but it's, like, a little snippet of, like, control, I guess is that you can only take flash photography for, like, two minutes. They basically stand there, everyone takes flash photography, and then after that, you can't take flash photography anymore. And the room is usually, like, it's a dimmed, like, think of, like, a hotel, like, big room where they have, like, events. So it's not bright in there, it's dim. So unless you have, like, a really good camera, um or you know cameras, you're not going to get a good photo without the flash. And so most people will just put their stuff away because they're not getting anything anyway. And so there's that's a way to kind of minimise things and not be like obnoxiously, because they usually they're only there for like 10 minutes anyway. So you don't want to spend the whole 10 minutes just taking yeah. photos and not listening to what they have to say or whatever. Some people do. Some people do, of course. And those are the people that we should exile to Antarctica. <laughs> Go take pictures of penguins endlessly. Yeah. I think, I guess, I just book, book at it like a lot because I hate this idea that, like, that whole idea of, like, going somewhere, say, like, with your relatives and your older relatives being, like, put your phone away, like, re- try to really take it in or whatever. But it's, like, for some people, it's, like, I am 100% taking it in, but I also want to be photographing it. And it's that idea that someone might be trying to, like, take that away from me because I'm not doing it the way they want me to yeah. be doing it is really uncomfortable for me. They don't understand that this is also a creative outlet for you. No. It's like how you manifest your artistic urges. But even if it wasn't, it's like this is the way I want to do it. You want me to come, but you not only want me to come with you, but you want me to be the way you want... You want me to be the way you want me to be. Well, I just want to be the way I want to be. (laughs) This sentence was a... (laughs) hedge maze of grammar and obviously then there are people that don't pay aren't paying attention and they are totally wrapped up in their phone i'm not saying that those that doesn't exist but you can't just lump everyone in with this no one's paying attention everyone just is taking pictures and detaching themselves from everything because that's not true i think it's the case that it's it's not the majority that's doing that i think it's opposite also you've got to think about what camera phones and things have allowed people They've maybe turned some people into photographers, whereas before they probably weren't interested. And I think that's great. Yeah, that's probably true. But you know how much old people like to lecture younger people about the proper way to be because they think they have all this worldly wisdom. I think it just comes down to I really hate when people have these weird rules about things. We're at a certain place who should dress a certain way. We're at a certain place, so put your phone away and... Take your elbows off the table. It's like <laughs> has anyone ever said like, that to you? It's like shut the fuck Use up. Use the proper like, fork, Samantha. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Sit down with your knees together like a lady. Look, my knees don't touch. Okay, so fuck off. They will if I duct tape them together. Yeah, no, they won't. I'm gonna hold Look. you for ransom. <laughs> Who's gonna pay that? That's a really dark question. <laughs> 
You said it like so like happily, like you really scored a point on me. You're like, who cares enough about me to pay a ransom? No, I wasn't saying it in a happy way. It was just like, no one's going to pay that, so don't waste your time. That's horrendous <laughs> and depressing and just... My mum would pay it. I'm sure I she would. I have faith that my mum and Steph would pay. But if they went around, no one else would pay. I wouldn't pay the ransom. I would sneak into the kidnapper's lair like Liam Neeson in Taken. Oh, I thought you were the kidnapper. Oh. Oh, yeah, I guess I was. I'd sneak into my own lair. <laughs> I have multiple personality disorder. If I was <laughs> if I was kidnapped, I'd like to think you'd find a way to pay the ransom. No, I would just, you know, screw on the silencer to my tech nine. <laughs> Go take care of business. You would try to get me instead, wouldn't you? What do you mean, like take you out? No, you would try to rescue me instead of Yeah, that's what I just said. And yet again, you're like... Oh my God, we've got some weird, like... Oh, our toes are making love. Intertwined... Oh my God. (laughs) We've got some weird intertwined toe jumble going on right now. God, how nauseating is it when people say that we're making love... I guess. How do you like to say it? I also hate we slept together. No, you fucked. There you go. You had sex. Just say had sex. You copulated. God. You procreated. I'm only half joking because you can say whatever you want to say, but just in that yeah. moment. Just after I was your really... rant about I hate people with yeah. rules. Just in that moment, I was really annoyed. I'm like, just say it this way. Do as I do, not as I say. No, do as I say, bitches. Sure. (laughs) (sighs) So, yeah, shall we move on to the next topic? Yeah. So, we took a little break. A little break. A little break to reset. And eat moocho snacks. I had quite a basic snack. A basic bitch snack, if you will. (laughs) Which was just a bread roll. But they're so delicious when they're they freshly delicious, baked. Yeah. When you bite into it and it's got like the crunch, you know the ends. I love the ends. People of the middle of good taste know that the ends, the crunchy ends of a bread roll, are where it's at. They should just make ends. This is the, that's the same type of indulgent insanity that ended up with us having donut holes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but the outside of a donut is the same as the inside. There's no, like, you know, sometimes I have, like, a pie or something, and you're like, oh, I really like the edge of the pie because it's, like, it's, Crispy. like, the crust of yeah. it. And, like, those brownies we sometimes get, like, the one that comes in the big tin thing. Like, you get tin? Do you mean tub? The foil. No, the one from Papa John's. Oh, I didn't okay. want to say Papa John's, but you, you just made just shouted me. them out. Um... I I prefer the edge ones because they're like yeah, yeah have yeah. like a crispiness There's to them. Like a bacon tray you can get where instead of just having like a rectangular um recess for you to pour in the brownie mix so that you'd only get edges around the edge, it's like a snaking <gasps> pattern so that every single piece of brownie has an edge. Has an edge. This is a real thing. And when I saw this, I was like, give that man a Nobel Peace Prize. Whoa. Yeah. I was going to say, we need to get this, but who the fuck is making brownies in yeah. this house? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> you could teach me how to do it. Why don't we have brownies? 
You know no, how you can just... get like bread machines and like stuff mm. like that. There should just be an a ice brownie. cream makers. There should just be a brownie maker. Dangerous though. Very ha- very dangerous. Why don't we have any flakes? I could just eat ice cream and flake right now. Uh, yeah, that sucks. We need like a machine for everything. The room is just covered in appliances. Yep. Some well, that's fi- pretty much how I it is right now. I was going to say some people's kitchens are like that anyway. Do you remember the toasty maker? We once had the sandwich maker. Yeah, yeah. that's one that of those indulgent. Like, why is this a thing? Yeah, a bit, but it doesn't do way, anything. No, it does because it's. You know what has taken over that the panini. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, the way it kind of like locks the bread together like a pocket, and so you can put whatever filling in. It's oh, really making me want them now. Bacon and beans. Baked beans. Is that sandwich choice? That's fucking delish. Sure. I mean, cheese is the goat, but especially when it's goat cheese. The bacon. You know why it was good because you didn't need to cook the bacon beforehand. Because that sounds bacon, dangerous. Bacon cooks very quickly. It really only needs to get a little bit, like not a little bit hot, but a couple of, <laughs> couple of seconds on the, not seconds. I'm Good saying off. this all wrong. The, the the maker is so hot and you're doing it for minutes that the bacon cooks. And some people like the bacon like barely cooked anyway. I mean, I like it crispy, but yeah. Yeah, but those are the same people who order steaks like blue, where it's just a raw piece of meat <laughs> that, has been, that has lightly grazed a... Half warm pan. Can you actually eat steak raw and it won't kill you? Well, isn't steak tartare like just completely raw steak? I have no idea. I don't think you know either. You just say no. I don't. But I'm pretty sure that is the idea of the dish. But I don't know if it's like completely raw or like just. It's the least amount cooked as possible. But if you have a really raw steak, it is like bloody. Like you have blood on your plate. I and read, that is completely disgusting. I to read me. a today I learned. It wasn't even a today I learned. It was one of those threads where it was like, what is like a common misception that is wrong or whatever? And um misception. <laughs> I was gonna call you on it, but I thought, no. What I'll word let am this I thinking one of? ride. A common misconception. Misconception. You missed the con. What the hell? My Which brain is weird for you like... because you love cons. Yeah. What? Oh. <laughs> Conventions and prisoners. I see what you did there. Um, a common misconception. Sure. Or that, that is, anyway, one of them was that um, when you get a rare steak, it's not blood that you see. It's like the fat mixed with like... Red food colour and what? Well, I don't know, but it's just not blood. I'm, I have no idea how anyone could convince it's themselves. It's the juices. It's that. like the juices of the. And it happens animal. to be red. Yeah, the but juice of blood, an animal but is not called blood. blood. I don't know if it's actually true, but I saw it. This is the podcast of let's say things that we don't actually know is true, but we're going to say them anyway. That literally could be the title if it wasn't too long for the metadata. Yeah, pretty much. Damn you, metadata. Damn you. You fraught us again in our overly verbose ambitions. Yeah. So, yeah. What were we talking about before that? Oh, sandwich machines. I think it's not surprising that towards the end of every podcast, we start talking about food excessively because we're hungry. Especially when we go, we're talking for that long that we need a break to eat. Yeah. Those are the best kinds of times to eat. When it's just like, nom, 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 nom. That was adorable. (laughs) 
Cookie. I'd like to take a gif of that no, and make it our I would not. moving podcast art. Sure. Both in terms of that it's animated and also that it will move you to tears. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm being me. Yeah. And that's Aww. the only thing that I can be. <laughs> My head's on fire. That's not funny. <laughs> Everything's funnier with spontaneous combustion. Sure. I have that on a t-shirt. Has anyone ever spontaneously combusted in real life? Yeah. It's one. Of, I think I read it's one of those things, though, where it's like, and doctors don't know how it's caused, but most people that spontaneously combust have been most drinking people. a lot of alcohol and smoking cigarettes. And it's not hard no. to make some kind of connection between flammable liquid and spark from a cigarette. Yeah. But yeah, I can't it claim to be an expert. It nearly as interesting as I thought it was going to be. It's pretty fucking interesting when oh, people Oh, I'm so sorry that I spontaneously combusted and it wasn't interesting, you know, for you. Yeah. Pretty much. You're like lecturing someone in a burn unit. Why wasn't your tragedy more interesting? This is horrendous. Shut up. I'm just trying to paint a picture God. of you as some kind of... That's made me sad now, picturing burn victims. Thanks. I'm sorry. It is sad. Good. This is really sad. I'm glad what that have you you're done? acknowledging the sadness of people who get burnt. Let's move <laughs> on to the topic, because you're spiralling me. I backed us into a dead end. My hair's all fluffy. It is quite fluffy. It's fluffy and pink. Fluffy ball. You're like a little Jigglypuff. It's soft. Or a little Kirby. Uh-huh. <gasps> Is that you doing the Kirby blowing something out that no, he sucked in? you're just sucking in and then blow it out, right? That's what she said. No, that's... What is... Kick. It doesn't even make sense. I, no, I, it doesn't. I what are you sucking in? The swallowing, but that's not the same as sucking in. Okay. Imagine what the feeling would be like if you sucked in. If the... you inhaled. I love how you're like dancing around <laughs> naming the I'm unnamed. I'm trying not to be vulgar at 5am. Uh, of course. Are you vul- Is it okay to be vulgar at 11pm? Sure. Well, yeah, because night time is different. Okay, how Even so? This is our night time right now. Because vampires lurk out in the darkness? Yeah. Okay. I think we've come to the point where we should move on to the next topic. (laughs) Okay, so the next article is a news story on Vox, of all places, entitled Hashtag No Confederate, colon, Twitter activists are making HBO play defense on its upcoming Civil War drama. And if you haven't been steeped in this recent internet drama that's been brewing very intensely all across the web. Basically what's going on is HBO, perhaps unwisely to do it this way, put out a brief press release announcing that the guys behind Game of Thrones are going to be behind a new alternate history show where the South actually did secede successfully and becomes presumably a rogue nation and maintain the institution of slavery. And it was kind of very lacking in actual detail, but it seems like the show, from what I took from it, is going to be modern day. And so it will be showing what it would be like in a modern day 
confederate state where slavery has become like this completely normalized completely up to date in terms of its mechanisms like social institution and how that's going to create this weird interplay when there's also you know the united states of america the states that didn't secede that don't have slavery and so you can kind of see how it's an interesting premise a what if which is you know a classic fiction trope and unsurprisingly people blew up on twitter and started this hashtag campaign in order to try and pressure hbo to cancel the show before it's even been made before it's even been released and so yeah i saw this and i was just i would like to say i was flabbergasted but there's such a long precedent for this at this point online with people translating their outrage about something into impassioned calls for it to not ever see the light of day but still i just wanted to talk about how crazy it is that people who self-identify as liberals are calling for the suppression of a piece of fiction that they don't like a piece of fiction that offends them because i mean that is a childish emotional response which is completely counter to the idea of classical liberalism and so it just represents such a strange self contradiction which they can't even see but you know to any kind of informed outsider is both hilarious and infinitely darkly depressing okay first of all you made a mistake that m- a lot of people in fact most people made when they the first press release was um released it's not from the game of thrones guys it's from a group of four people okay two of them are the game of thrones guys right two of them are black and this was conveniently left out okay. in the like outrage well, i think it was left out in the story i read because i don't remember it yeah well Although I was they, following this. If a they mentioned bit. the other two people's name, obviously I wouldn't you didn't know, know who them. they are. Yeah, I don't. I didn't even know the Game of Thrones people's name, but it just said they were from yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones. Well, I think there was a mistake, and they re-released something basically saying that, like, saying, "Oh, there's a new show that's this. It's so early, and it's also by the Game of Thrones people." Was right. a mistake. That the press release was like worded wrong and all this, and and then so I followed it a little bit, okay, and then saw that actually two of the people create like creating it are are black, right? Um, in terms of yeah, I agree with you. In terms, I I always find it so strange when people get crazy about things, and I say that. With love. <laughs> um, because it's fiction. No one has a responsibility to send a good, right, positive message. In their fiction. Yeah. And there's so much content content out there. Content. There's so much content out there that... There's a continent of content. It's like, even if some people want to do that, not everyone needs to be doing that. And so this outrage that happens is very strange. Um, Because I don't, you know, even if it did turn out to be this, like, horrendous 
look at slave even though it all looks at slavery yeah. is horrendous <laughs> there's no but like in the worst of the worst and like slavery. yeah and like gratuitous and exploitative and horrible and all those words that you want to throw at it <laughs> even if it does turn out to be the worst thing ever yeah which you know that doesn't mean hbo thinks slavery is cool or that like <laughs> what a way the guys it. from game of thrones want slavery to be a thing right They're now pro-slavery. like it's just like when people go on about like you know men are always worrying about rape and it's like this just because they want to rape women and they want to and they you know they want to see women suffer this and is stuff. an insane and argument it's like shut the fuck up yeah obviously some things are done poorly and they're not done very well or they're done insensitively or whatever. But you, I just don't like this idea that people, it's just like free speech. It's like you don't like what the person's saying, but they have the right to say it. Right. They have the right to create this. And I totally get why, in a sense, why some people are outraged just that, like, slavery was horrible and it took a long time to come to an end and there are people alive still today that have like, had, like, relatives or whatever and it, it's trickled down and there's effects of it still happening today. I understand that. Yeah, and obviously I understand as well that as someone who is vociferously pro-free speech, I understand that people have every right to criticize the idea of this show as strongly as they possibly want, if that's how they feel, that's totally fine. But, and a lot of people are saying like, you know, that's what's going on here, which is not truthful. If you actually look at a significant portion of the people tweeting about this, people are saying that this shouldn't exist. Yeah. That HBO should be pressured into dropping this. They shouldn't be allowed to put this on TV and our backlash will hopefully you know, force it mm. to be cancelled. And that's a completely different thing. Because if you want to criticise it and criticise it and criticise it until the day it comes out, and even afterwards, that's totally fine. And you don't have to watch it. And that's completely your prerogative. But when you're literally trying to suppress the airing of a piece of fiction that you don't like or you don't agree with or that offends you, you, A, are not a liberal and B, you should not be claiming any moral high ground because out of this sense of offendedness and sanctimoniousness and faux high-minded appeals to, you know, valuing social justice ideals, you are seeking to have something censored because I'm not going to see this show aired which will put back the struggle for racial equality. And I'm going to group together with this Twitter mob and harass the people behind it and the network behind it, which of course is a private company which can do whatever the hell it wants, until the point where they feel so put upon and so at the mercy of this mob with its torches and pitchforks that they will choose not to pursue a fiction-making endeavour that they were otherwise going to do. That's not something in my mind which should be celebrated in any way i think it's completely despicable and childish and just unbelievably cringeworthy that still in 2017 we have people who can do this publicly under their own name call for a piece of fiction to be suppressed because they don't like it and they don't receive massive social exile from everyone who knows them it just blows my mind 
I find it kind of funny the language that you're using. First of all, I think you should stop saying it. It's just a work of fiction. Okay. While it is going to be fiction in terms of the story, the I, part of the outrage is that it's based on something that was very real for a lot of people. And that's why people get outraged at this stuff, because it's real. It's like why people get outraged at t- like a rape and molestation, because it happens. So I'm just saying I don't think you should c- continuously call it just a complete work of fiction, because I don't feel comfortable with that. Okay, this is what I would have to say second in all, response to that. Second of all... <laughs> Second of all, you're saying things like pitchforks and mobs and suppression and all this, these words. You can't seriously be about to make the and point like, I think you're about to make. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding with this language? Are you, do you think this is like racially tinged language? No, I don't think it's racially tinged. I think you've got to think about, because there's going to be a lot of people who are like, yeah, but what do you think that we suffered or whatever? Like, Unless they're... Methuselah and AIDS. They okay. didn't suffer Not under we. You know what I mean Civil War era slavery. I just think it's funny, the language okay. you... I, I couldn't help but giggle at the fact okay. that... I understand the point you're making. You using that type of language when it came to something like this. I don't agree with the core idea behind it as a potential objection. Yeah. You'd have to be hyper, hyper, psychopathically sensitive and eager to be offended to tr- take offence at me mentioning pitchfork mobs when i'm talking about yeah this. i'm not offended obviously i just was saying it's funny the yeah. language that you're not funny oh wow look at yeah so slavery is funny fucking hell i'm so sick wow. of this bullshit <laughs> i'm honestly sick of this crap where it's like you can say something and people are unable to read between the lines then just don't tiptoe around it take whatsoever words and like twist shit and it's made me into this person where it's like of course what i'm saying doesn't mean i'm saying something else yeah it's like shut sh- the fuck that's up. implicit in the yeah. fact that you're saying the thing yeah. you're saying so <laughs> i would say don't give that contingent an inch honestly because if you do they'll yeah. take 50 country miles i think despite the subject my my argument will always be you should be allowed to create what you should be allowed to create which is anything you want which is anything you want um, I obviously see some, you know, I see why there's an argument for it not to happen. Um, but that, you know, but then it's like, where do you draw the line? It's like, this is history. It's a very real part of his, especially American history. It wasn't that long ago. And it was a massive, mass. It's not like this little thing that hardly anyone knows sure. about. It's like this, this... I also, it's weird because I kind of feel like the premise sounds interesting. Of course it does. Not the fact that there's slavery and, oh, my God, I want to see black people hurting. That's obviously not what I mean. That should go without saying. I'm talking about the fact that it would be slavery still around now in yeah. modern times. How would and that And that the South seceded. Right. That's incredibly interesting. Not in a I want to see it happen kind of way, but... How would someone create a story around that? What type of characters would be in that story? And that's what you should be seeing it for. Obviously not that you want to see people in pain. Right. Yeah, I also think it's a fascinating alternate history 
idea for a show and especially on a network like hbo that can really put a big budget behind it and make it this really well-built world i think i would definitely want to see this and to go back to you the points that you made in hypothetical opposition when people are like this is a thing that really happened yeah of course slavery happened but this is a alternate timeline which splinters off from the real history of the world and so not that i'm saying you shouldn't be able to make fiction about things that really did happen because of course you should but this is even a step beyond that this is even more abstract this is even more detached in terms of they're creating a completely different idea of how the world could have been and if you seriously think that the outcome of this show is going to be like Look how good the world could have been if only the South had seceded and slavery had survived into modern times. Of course, it's not going to be that. Again, because this is an important disclaimer, if it was that, I would still think that it was a valid form of fiction which shouldn't be suppressed. And then also, this whole thing of like, well, at least they have black writers on it, I just find kind of baffling because... It comes out of the argument of like, if this was written by white people or, you know, people that weren't black, people would say, well, this is not for you. This is not something that you know. Whereas I don't see how two 21st century black Americans can claim to know anything about 18th, 19th century American slavery. How does that work? Because they have nominally the same skin color as the slaves back then. They have some kind of claim to knowledge about how it was or some credibility when it comes to making fiction about that. That doesn't compute for me. And in that same vein, and I think this was more widespread than just the specific examples that I saw, but I saw people actually saying like this shouldn't be a thing because it's pretending that white supremacy and racism and violence racist violence towards blacks is a thing of the past whereas it's actually still exactly the same right now and for people even in the context of this super emotional histrionic hyperbole to be comparing the small pockets of white supremacy that still exist in modern day america to a system 200 years ago where half of the country had institutional slavery where people would literally codified into the law treated and traded as pieces of property to be used in the fields as if they were beasts of burden that should be a disgraceful comparison to make to make sincerely and yet people feel bold enough when they are surrounded and engulfed by the Twitter mobs that they enter to say ridiculous things like that. And they don't get called on it because people are so scared of challenging in any way on any small nuanced detail. The people who assume that mantle of like, we're fighting the good fight for equality and progressivism and all that jazz. But that's something that really stuck out to me in terms of people being like, how dare you make this alternate history when we still have these same issues lingering on today? I know what you mean when it comes to challenging things. Even as I sit here now talking about it, I find myself worried that yeah. like people are going to think... Tread carefully. Even though I can't speak from a place of knowing because I'm not black, I 
I dislike this idea that people can't talk about things because they haven't experienced it. Um, because no, you can't know. And I'm not saying that I do know. And lots of people who try to talk about it, they're also saying that they don't know. They're giving an opinion. And no one ever said that you had to always give an informed opinion. And I don't even think informed is the right word. It's like, no one ever said that you could only give an opinion if you had done it, you had been in it, you had experienced it. And we're not even really talking about the subject. We're talking about the outrage in terms of trying to stop something from happening. An artistic expression, especially, from happening because of this outrage. Just like when, like, when with that Milo guy and his book deal and everyone getting crazy and there was a famous author, I forget her name, but it's not even relevant, like, in terms of what she is about. But there was a famous um, female author who... I guess her books were released under the same publisher, publisher. And she, I don't think she's with them anymore, purposely just because they were going to publish his right. book. And it's like, yeah, why? Do, they're not saying, they're not saying they agree with him. They're not even saying they support him. They're saying we are a place, we are a conduit for this information, this art, this expression, this knowledge, this whatever. Yeah. And I, I wish people could see the difference. And I know some people like are going to say, well, you obviously do support it because he wouldn't have a platform. But he does have a platform. How do you think he got a book deal in the first place? Not because he was a nobody from nowhere, but because he had created this online thing. And so I just... Yeah, all the publisher is doing by publishing him are saying completely detached from everything else this is a undeniably notable person in certain circles in certain contexts and he has put out in written form his thoughts on something i have never looked too deeply into the matter i find milo to be a very overhyped phenomenon to be honest i think he's a very one note inept character actor who's playing this very strange silly caricature that people are very inexplicably entertained by for a long period of time even though it's so one-dimensional and it's so shallow but what i'm trying to say is like just exactly as you said people can say i don't agree with this or they can even say i'm going to make no comment on this but it deserves to be out there in the marketplace of ideas in the marketplace of fiction in the marketplace of art whatever you want to call it and i believe that people should be able to put their stuff out there if they want to and so i'm going to help enable that and that's all hbo is doing even if this show was somehow for whatever reason championing the cause of slavery which is, you know, as if that's going to brainwash millions of people into thinking that this obviously horrific and unbelievably tragic phenomenon in American history was actually a good thing, as if people are going to be persuaded on that point. But all HBO would be doing is just saying, we think that pieces of art should be put out there into the public domain to be consumed and to be dissected and to be pieces of entertainment, if that's what they are. 
or pieces seeking to be informative, if that's what they are, whatever they are, they deserve to be out there. And we think that this is interesting and we are going to help put it out there. And that's all that it is. It can be completely devoid of any value judgments in the act of putting it out there. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's completely separate from the fact that if you don't like a piece of fiction, you shouldn't be calling for it to not exist. Like, I, yeah. I can't put it any more succinct than that. It's like burning books. Yeah. I understand you don't want to read the book. I even understand why you don't want your child to read the book. But it doesn't mean other people shouldn't get yeah. to read the book. And not everyone is reading all books for enjoyment. They're reading it for knowledge. They're reading it for seeing a different perspective. They're, re they're reading it for many, many reasons. Just because you can appreciate something doesn't mean you... Agree with ag the content. Agree with the content. I... My mind is really torn right now. I keep thinking about these really strange extremes of, like, this idea that I'm so liberal. Not me, but a, per <laughs> a person being, right. like... No, I am liberal, but you know what I mean? There's a, a person out there who identifies as being liberal and they're like, I'm so liberal, but you can't say that. It's right. like, what? There's a rewiring that's happened along, along the way. And it's in part because people think they should react a certain way because others are reacting that way. But it's a, cha it's like a, like a chain reaction. It's only happening because other people are doing it and other people are only doing it because other people are doing it. Not because all those people in that pool actually really believe that. And I don't like that. That sea <laughs> to of, pull it plainly. I don't like this sea of really weird, like, um, this type of pe person that I'm talking about. They're all swimming in that direction and... And I, they're getting away from the actual real things that they should be thinking of. And it's also the type of, like, liberals or whatever or lefties that people in the centre or on the right look at and they're like, you're dumb. You represent the whole of this yeah. group. Yeah, we've talked about before how you get that weird feedback loop where... An event like this happens and then on Twitter people feel like if I don't react a certain way, if I don't demonstrate a certain level of indignant outrage, if I don't come out and say that this thing is bad because it infringes upon some social justice tripwire, I'm not going to seem like I'm sufficiently concerned about social justice issues and I'm not going to be in other people's eyes like sufficiently compassionate or sufficiently aware of, of other people's struggles or whatever it is. And then once that first wave of reactions happen in order to gain those credentials, other people see that, which are similarly minded, and then they realize that they too need to do it. And then so you get this Mexican wave effect where the all the people who would be susceptible to that kind of implicit peer pressure end up seeing that other people are doing it and do it themselves, whether they actually do have that strong reaction to begin with or not. They'd realize that it's necessary to do so, to blend in and to seem like you care about this thing that everyone is saying that you have to think about this certain way, whether you do or whether you don't. And of course, 
a accompanying phenomenon is that you get a lot of people, especially white people with white guilt, who feel like they need to go even more so than would normally be suspected. They need to take it to the the third or fourth level. They need to really come out all guns blazing because they feel like they need to overcompensate and make sure that everyone knows that they are allies in the struggle for social justice or equality. And so that escalation of things where people feel like for the sake of pretenses, for the sake of ensuring that you seem like a certain thing, ensuring that you seem like a certain type of person, you have to really have this exaggerated, impassioned response. That just adds yet more fuel to the fire. And that's how you end up having, you know, huge amounts of people on Twitter angrily calling for everyone involved in this to be fired because they have this implicit racism and they have this complete disregard for all these important social issues. I agree with you. I definitely think white guilt is a thing. And it is kind of weird when you were talking about how um how could like the the black writers on the show how that makes any difference because it's not like they were there or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of odd how it's how closely people tie themselves to things that they weren't actually they a part weren't of. a part of, and that their parents weren't even a part yeah. of. Um, it was people they didn't know that that may have shared the same name as them. That yeah. you know, it's a very strange, weird thing, and I do think it's a very it's a very American thing. Um, I just there wasn't really a point. I yeah, just find I, it very strange and fascinating all at the same time. People always want to assume ownership of things. They mm. want to say this is for me to talk about yeah. and people like me for t- to talk about. It's not for you. You can't talk about it. You can't claim any kind of interest in it or whatever. Even if you're going to campaign on the side of the thing that I w- think should happen, you need to be this quiet ally to the side you can't be front and center you can't be prominent because again this is not yours this is not for you Mm. even though neither of us were actually directly involved in the thing itself and this is yet another one of those things because whether you are white black hispanic asian whatever you happen to be if you are an american alive today you had no part in slavery and no one you've ever met had any part in slavery and so, in truth, you're actually so disconnected from it, apart from these strains like, well, my great-grandfather, blah, 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 someone you've never met who just happened to share the same name and lineage as you. And that's a weird way that people try to cling on to these things and claim them for themselves. And obviously, I see the argument in that, in that, well, okay, I don't know what slavery was like, but I know what racism is like. Yeah. But that's different. That is true. We're not necessarily talking about just... It's not going to be a look at what racism is like today. It's an alternate world where something else is happening in a different way and the country is different. It's divided, like actually divided, not just, oh, this is something that happens mostly in the South. It's a new world. Yeah. And then when people are like, but with the racial tensions that are going on today, we can't allow this spark to be let into the 
you know, barn full of powder kegs, which is just such a weird argument in itself. Because like I said earlier, the idea that normal, reasonable, compassionate people would watch an alternate history, essentially science fiction show about a southern secession which survived until today and think, you know what, actually, I'm suddenly a racist now. I spent my whole life seeing how disgusting and despicable and dehumanizing racism is. But now after watching this 10 episode HBO show, I'm suddenly starting to think of black people as less than human. Mm. I just find that so just infantile that it's really not even worth addressing as a serious idea. But that is what people are genuinely saying. So was that case of, coming back to the case of people shouldn't, you know, thinking that people shouldn't do something in case it affects those few unstable people. Um, you can't do that in a world of billions of people yeah. with all different thoughts and ideas and ways they want to live. Like you said, no one's ever going to see it and just be like, yeah, like I'm just going to set you all on fire or whatever. Like that's not, sure. you know, maybe... There are things that can push people over the edge, but there, chances are they're very fucking close to it already. Right, yeah. And they tiptoe into the precipice. You know, white supremacists aren't fucking watching HBO. They're, you know, already white supremacists. So it they're, doesn't yeah, really exactly. matter what they're watching. But this is going to be like their wet dream. This is going to be like their fantasy. And it's like, so what? Like you, like you said, you can't constantly constrain yourself by thinking how are the sick, perverted people out there going to find some way to enjoy this in a twisted, disgusting way? You have to just make the things you want to make and trust that the majority of people are normal, mentally healthy people who can enjoy and consume a piece of fiction under the context of it being a piece of fiction, not an instruction manual yeah. for how to overthrow the United States government and in reinstall slavery as a pervasive institution. <laughs> what a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And to think we only redrafted it six or seven times. <laughs> That's funny. What if people do podcasts and they write out scripts, even though it's not like a story, it's just a chit chat, like me and you, but they actually have scripts. That would be so can't. much effort. It would. I can't imagine it ever sounding natural. You have to be such a good actor to pull it yeah. off for a prolonged period of time. It's odd. We're saying this as we're reading scripts. <laughs> we write down our jokes for the week. Yeah. <laughs> we were joking before this podcast started. You said something and I was like, save it for the podcast. Oh, and, yeah. And then we were like, what if we said that throughout the week and we just ended up not talking to each other? Every time we start oh, to yeah. have an interesting conversation, we're like, save, save it for, it the, for podcast. the podcast. We do, And then I said, we don't talk except from the podcast. Yeah. You know what started it? I was talking about autumn. And you were like, save it for the podcast. And then you didn't end up talking I about didn't. autumn. I didn't. Well, I'm going to fucking talk about it now, okay? So it ended up for the good, didn't it? I feel like even though we've still supposedly got like a month or whatever left of summer, and the August is usually the hottest, I feel like I can feel autumn coming already. Like, it's in my bones. And it was just because this week it's been chilly and there were those... It rained for, like, a couple of days non-stop. And it was... Oh, my God. Fucking delightful. Do you remember the thunder? 
I do. It was so we loud. We woke up one day. Yeah, we woke up. It was just Booming. crazy rumbling thunder. And waking up half asleep and hearing that was really, really nice. And I was going to be like, uh, it's thunder, like yeah. scary. But or we love that. But I love it. And then as I was falling back to sleep, I heard another rumble and it was just so comforting. And that sounds it was, so strange. Those kind of like rumbly like sharp thunderclaps where it's like you can feel it in your chest yeah it feels like it shakes the whole sky it was so nice <laughs> and it was in the middle of the day as well and we were having and then we had like a really long discussion about halloween yeah and all the ways i want halloween to be this year and so that coupled with like the week that we've had and we're like walking in the rain but like i can feel autumn come in and i'm so excited for it i to wade through the crunchy leaves. Even though winter's my favourite, just because in terms of there's more rain and it's colder. There could be Autumn's snow. my favourite in terms of the way the world feels. And that sounds strange. And then also the way the world, well, the way our world looks. And so I'm very excited for it. And I hope it comes early, just like everything else is coming early or whatever. Hope it lasts a long time. Do you remember when we were talking about your dream plans for Halloween and you said that you wanted us to dress up even if we were just staying in the house? Yeah, well, we are just staying in the house. We know the, for a fact that we what will be. Hey, I don't know but what I... parties I'm going to be invited to. <laughs> I like to keep my plans open. But I said I would really like us to... I mean, you know, you haven't got to put pants on and you haven't got to put shoes on. That's going to confuse our British listeners, <laughs> no end. Oh, yeah, trousers. You haven't got to put... You haven't got to dress up on the second half of your body. If I'm just wearing but, underwear, what type of costume is this? <laughs> Jeez. I said, but basically, there has to be some kind it's of situation lewd. happening with your face or your hair. Like, where, like... I can either, like, put face paint on you or, like, we'll get, like, cool mask or, like, a hat or something. And then maybe something on the top of everybody. I j- and then, and I say I say that because we're just going to be sitting in the house. And then we, like, maybe get a few little Halloween-y decorations. And then we watch... And, yeah, and then we watch some Halloween movies. And since you don't like horror movies, I said it doesn't even have to be horror movies. I'm trying to bend to your, you know, like we can watch things like Hocus Pocus and Practical Magic and they're Halloween movies, but they're not scary. And I would just really like to do that. I'm sure you would. And since we're in a flat and there's a couple of kids, did we get trick or treats last year? No. Or did we think maybe we had one, but we didn't answer the door? I don't think so. I think that was a dream that you had. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say maybe we get some sweets for the... But we won't get any. We can get some sweets for me. and then We also <laughs> probably wouldn't answer the door anyway because we're curmudgeonly. I would if I was dressed up and I had sweets right. to give. Well, seeing as you were talking about being dressed up in your underwear, I wouldn't well, want yeah, you yeah, answering yeah. the door to children. So... I would like to do that. And I don't, there's no reason not to other than. I really don't you want don't, to. You, have, you can't be bothered. It's not that I can't be bothered. I don't want to watch quote unquote Halloween movies. I don't want to dress up seen as I'm just sitting on the sofa, etc. But et it's like half a day and it would really make my year. 
it would make your year. Yes, I'm not even exaggerating. I fear that you might In fact, be. I don't even think it would make my year. It would make my life. Because <laughs> I'm not saying we have to then do this every year, but I want to do it and I want to do it this year. Okay, well, we've got many decades no, left of our lives no, together in order I'm for me to do it one that. time. No, because I don't live in 10 years. I live right now. And so I want to do it That's right deep. now. It is deep. Can I interest you in this dog-eared copy of Eat, Love, Pray? How dare you. Because I feel like that's where you got your philosophy from. That's where you get your fucking philosophy from. I get my philosophy from. I dare you shit on my philosophy. (laughs) I feel like I have to now say that I haven't read that book. (laughs) You say that as I'm holding up your copy of it. You're such a liar. (laughs) We don't have that. The listeners don't know. Unless you have it on your Kindle. I can pull the wall over their eyes at any moment. Yeah, yeah. Right now I'm holding a bucket of ice water over Samantha's head. Oh, you'd be in so much trouble. you just stab me. Right I, I wouldn't feed you. Right in the intestine. There you go. That's the Was ultimate. it intestines? Um, it's got to be plural, right? It's intestines, but you can say... You know, I was thinking about... I was thinking about how we don't really say pounds. Right. Um, We say, oh, that's four pound. Yeah, that's true. We don't say four pounds. I think you say pounds, A, if you're posh, <laughs> and B... If you're saying like, I don't know, you might say it's four pounds twenty, but you don't even say that. You say pound, four pound twenty. So I don't know if it's more just more common to say pound, even though it is actually pounds. Right. But that's just something. Just something I was thinking about yesterday. I was thinking for Halloween. What if I surprised you by dressing up as you? Like a perfect cosplay as you. I would love that. See? Ideas already. And I could dress up as you. Remember that year? I just what if did... we forever change bodies, though? What do you mean? Like Freaky Friday. <gasps> that happened on Halloween, didn't it? Not in real life. No. I mean, in the movie, does it happen on Halloween? In the magic of Technicolor. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen Freaky Friday. <laughs> You haven't? No. You're like Lindsay Lohan's number one fan. I'm definitely not. <laughs> I was going to say something when you said dress up as me. And I could dress up as you. No. Remember that year I dressed up as Valma? That was a good year. I did. On the Pantheon it wasn't of f- Halloweens we shared together, that was a fun one. No, it wasn't Halloween. It was for your birthday. Oh. What you there really you let, letting the cat out of the bag... <laughs> I was just like, hmm, what would you like for your birthday? So I dressed up as Velma. <laughs> if you watch Scooby-Doo as a, a young gun and you didn't have a crush on Velma, I honestly don't feel like we're going to have anything in common. And I didn't dress as a sexy Velma either. I dressed as a nerdy Velma, and which this, is sexier. This is obviously the point where I say anything you dress as is the <sighs> sexy blank. Makes people vom. Vom all over I think town. it's only you saying this, and one time Matthew objected to our lovey doviness. Yeah, but I bet there's a lot of. I just don't want it. Romantics you know, at heart. Don't want to be listening. to the point where people are like. What are we going to do? Pretend you know, we're not in love we're on not the podcast. <laughs> that was a weird way to. That's all end I thought that. you were going to say. What are we going to do? Pretend we're not perfect. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, what else could you dress? What could you dress as Halloween? I'm getting you dressed up. I can't imagine. What how about that's the mummy? Happen. We can just use the kitchen towel. That's to mummy you up. Depressing. That is depressing. But you clearly want as low effort as possible. Yeah, but I don't want something as crappy as enshrouding me with kitchen towel. 
Yeah. We should dress Rudy up as a little oh, munchkin. Oh, we could get him a little cape. He would not enjoy that. A little hat. A little booties. The cost of us putting these costume items on him would be many, many lacerations. <laughs> you imagine trying to put booties on Rudy? Yeah. You'd have to sedate him. You can pick him up. It may, Sometimes you make it sound like you can't go near him. That's not the case. He comes on us. He sleeps on us. He lets me pick him up. All that type of stuff. You know, he's never, ever, ever once scratched or bit my face. Like, it is kind of like he knows that that's, like, a safe area. Just like how if I'm, like, naked or half-dressed, he won't jump on my skin. Like, my tummy, if my tummy's exposed. He'll wait for me to put some material there, as if yeah. he knows the skin is, like... I think maybe that's why he just bites and scratches, like, the arms and legs, because, I don't know, maybe he somehow knows that it's... That's my... Or what I like to think, anyway. I don't think he's as psychologically anyway, complex as that. But that's also not me saying he would never do that because I always, always, always have hated when animal owners are like, you know, he doesn't bite, he doesn't bite. And it's like, well, you can't say that because he might, he's an animal. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Um, so you can pick him up and stuff, but no, you'd never be able to, like, hold him there and put booties on him. He would have none of it. Just like how like we had to get a new carry case for him recently, so he'd go to the vets, and you cannot get him in his carry case. Like, the past couple of times we've tried to do it, it's been impossible. We've tried to lure him in with things, treats, milk, his favourite toys, a lace. Like, you leave it around for a day or two, and he still doesn't go in it. And he just kind of gives you this weird look of, like, you think I'm going to fall for this shit? Yeah. For this basic-ass shit? And we try, and like I said, I could pick him up. And so I have tried, obviously, to pick him up and put it in. But he get, but that's when he then gets very, like, aggressive. Um, and there's scratches and all kinds of things. And Bites are plenty. It's traumatic for everyone involved. So I, I found a carry case that's like an open top. Um, top loading carry case. It's not unlike a wash a laundry basket with a lid. I'm gonna tell you. Um, and we've put it out just so we can get familiar with it. And he's been sleeping in it. Yeah, luckily. which is a good sign. But I do say to I did say to Ryan as soon as we actually try to take him to the vets in it, he's never going to want to go in it again. <laughs> um, it's like he can sense in the air that mm. we're trying to get him into a place yeah and he knows that that's not a place he should go into but i'd love to put booties on him and i am gonna get that cape for me or for him for him oh you could have matching what matches if, what if we dressed up as papa vampire and son vampire i would like that very much i could teach him the ways of the dark arts would you put the plastic vampire fangs in your mouth if you really want me to dress up as a vampire, sure. You get some fake blood. Not like a Dracula cape. More like, let's just dress you up in like a suit, but then have like fangs and like blood. So like some kind of twisted crossover of Christian Grey and no, Edward Cullen. How could you do that to me? No. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I'm a billionaire vampire. I only said soup because you have one. 
What other outfit can you wear that's not like, oh, I'm a Dracula vampire? This is all a moot point because I'm not dressing up either way. You are. Check back in for episode 26 when August comes. I mean, October comes. I can't say what. You can't think right now because you're hungry. I'm tired. Not tired, but it's just that time, you know, a day when you're a little bit like, I need the, the food boost. You need the defibrillators. Clear. We both shock each other at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Modern day flatliners, which there of course is, they there, are. There is making one, yeah. Rebooting. You haven't seen the original, have you? No. It's because you're a spring chicken. Because I'm not an old person in an old world watching old VHSs of old Kevin Bacon films. How dare you? Yeah. The truth film. hurts. Hey, are you yeah. saying that I'm old? I'm saying Technically, that... that's not even a movie of my time. That's an 80s movie, I think, or very early 90s. I was five when it was made, so it's not a movie from my time, but I have seen it. Sure. You know what, fuck you. I thought you were born before the turn of the century. They're actually based... You're 25 soon, right? <sighs> which means that's a quarter of your life, which means you you're nearly 30 if you want to get real. Um, 24 is not nearly 30. But 25 is. Yeah. Once I get to 27, I need to really seriously consider whether I want to just go out and join the 27 club. <laughs> not funny. Yeah. Actually not funny. As an artist, you really have to plan out your suicide or accidental death. If you really want to slot into that illustrious group, you got to make sure that you don't start... Whatever, you drunk can't driving. You're part of until the 27 then. Club. You're not a musician. Is it only musicians? I thought Are it was we... just artists. No, it's musicians. I don't think so. It is. I think maybe the original members were. There aren't. There are only. A when couple... someone dies at 27 and they're an artist, people say that. It's always musicians, though, baby, when you say it. Maybe it is. I can't say for sure. It is. <laughs> I slowly start walking it back. Do you know any people who are in the 27 Club? If you say their names, I will know them. But no, I'm not really familiar with people who died like 30 years ago. Alright. Fine. Do you think I'm a big Lo- Lois Loplin? Lo- <laughs> Janice Loplin? So close. Janice Joplin? Janice Joplin. I literally couldn't remember her name. <laughs> and I actually read something about her... A little while ago. You did? I didn't like read her biography. I just read something that mentioned her. She's like one of those names that you hear as a young person. You're like... (laughs) Shut the fuck up. That was a thing once upon a time, I guess. Tell me more about the Beatles, Sam. You know what? Were you a big Ringo fan? I'm not a Beatles fan. Never was a Beatles fan. Even at the time? The podcast just ends abruptly. (laughs) The outro music, after 15 seconds of silence, the outro music plays. You're just staring at me in angry silence. I was seeing how long I could hold it for. (laughs) I only know about three Beatles songs. Okay, that's more than me. You'd know them if you heard them. Probably, yeah, but I don't often go out my way to hear them. You know the Beatles members' names. I do. There's only four of them. No. 
There's a secret fifth Beatle? There wasn't a, a secret f- fifth member. I'm not going to be convinced by this nonsense. There was an original fifth member very briefly no, but in not, the early days. Okay, whatever. But there wasn't like a secret member. Kind of was secret. I really don't want to go into this because I don't care even one <laughs> iota. Did you ever see the Paul is dead thing? What's that? There was like a conspiracy theory. And this is oh, weird yeah, that I even he, know this. He's been replaced by... But it's kind of fascinating. For a little while, while the Beatles were big, there was this conspiracy theory that Paul had died and that they were secretly communicating that via their song lyrics and their album art and stuff like that. Oh my God. And people got super fanatic about it where they were like, they felt like they needed to expose this. It was an interesting read because people yeah. are insane. I feel like conspiracy theories usually are interesting. That's how they get people to believe. Right. Like they do have to kind of be really fascinating and have like lots of twists and turns. That's usually how you get people hooked into it. And people love that whole feeling of like, I'm wised up to the truth. Like, I can, yes, yes, as you're yes, talking yes. to someone, you can be like, well, do you know that one of the Beatles yeah. actually was dead? And they're like, what? And you're like, listen, I know all about this. I can tell you about <laughs> it. And you have that sense of superiority where yeah. you know something that they don't know. And then there's people. Big you on. Then there's, you know. Jinx, you owe me a non branded soda. You can say Coke, and that's not branded. Are you being serious? Right. You know that Coca-Cola is a brand name of brown sugar but water? Coca-Cola. It's not Coke. Right, but Coke... Oh, it does say Coke now on the cans. Yeah, I think they eventually adopted that. Yeah, it does say Coke. I think that was like a shortened nickname, and then right? they like took it for themselves. Uh, okay. I can't believe you thought that Coke was a generic name for soda. Only for like half a second. Shut up. That's Cola is, is like a generic term for... Which is weird, because it is actually Coca-Cola. Because they call Pepsi, Pepsi-Cola. Anyway. I can't tell you how fascinating this is. (laughs) I wonder when they're going to make a six-episode miniseries about it. that, like, anecdote that I learned about Coke and how it's made with something different in America? And then I went and, like, shared my wisdom with everyone, because when you learn something, you just have to. I was telling Steph about it. I then, when I saw my cousin the other day, was telling her about it. It's just like any excuse to she like... She was like, yeah, yeah, Samantha, that's fascinating. Tell me more about how they use real cane sugar in Mexican <laughs> Coke. And But it ties in with that whole people like to like act as if they know Yeah, things. that's true. Um, Everyone wants to feel like they yeah. know something that other people don't. I mean, I find conspiracy theories fascinating, but I don't think there's any that I actually believe, you know, except for the moon one. Sure. I like how you just left that hanging. <laughs> you do believe that Miley Cyrus was replaced by a doppelganger at some point though, right? That was Avril Lavigne. What's the difference? What is the difference? You know, actually what I do believe in, it's not a conspiracy theory. All these theory. teen starlets are the same. It's not a conspiracy theory, but it's more like a, um, what do you call it? Loch Ness Monster. How can you believe? What do you mean you believe in that? There is a Loch Ness monster. I don't think there is, or at least we haven't found any good evidence of it. Man, I believe. (sighs) Okay, it's more like a fantasy. You know what this reminds me of? I want it to be true. I was talking to Matthew on the phone 
the other night and I brought this up to him because we were talking about conspiracy theory stuff as well. I was watching something online and these two guys were just talking about blah, blah, blah. And then they ended up talking about wrestling and they ended up talking about Chris Benoit. Mm. And one of the guys was just like, just offhand, like casually was just like, yeah, I don't believe that Chris Benoit killed his family. Like he just said it like that, like definitively without any explanation. And he said it as like this throwaway thing. Like, yeah, he's a great entertainer. I really loved him as a wrestler. (laughs) I don't think he killed his family. Like, of course not. And there are a lot of people who do do that where they'll say something that is like super disturbing. Like when you think about the fact that a man actually did kill his family, his wife and children, and then some random dude on the internet can be like, yeah, I don't think he killed his family. He was framed. That's crazy. It's weird how people can say that type of thing without any thought of like the actual significance of it. Because who wants that to be true? Why would that be a preferable thing to have people believe that it's true unless there's like a killer and they can't find the killer and it's embarrassing that they can't find the killer but it's like there's lots of murders that go on so it's not you know what i mean like it doesn't make any sense and it's not like yeah he was famous but he was chris benoit he wasn't fucking kim kardashian (laughs) i did that on purpose because i feel like we could count now we have to get like her name in every episode what if she starts suing us for copyright infringement? Yeah. Can you copyright your name, I wonder? In terms of people can't use it? Like they can't use it as like a performer name. Yeah, you can. Oh, okay. So wh- why can't like... I just copyright every popular name? You've never heard of like people like going to court over like names for things and then people have to change their names? No, but their name. Like if I became like whatever a famous singer and my name was ryan finch and i copyrighted that and then another singer whose actual real name was ryan finch tried to become a singer under their real name i surely then couldn't sue them and force them to change the name that they perform under right i think when you're making money from it i.e like you're famous or something there is like you can go to court and they they there is like a um, We're both talking from places of complete. Well, I'm basing this off of the knowledge. fact that like people change their names for these types of reasons, yeah. um, and and not in terms of like actual names like your name or infant, but like when like a band has a name or yeah, but that's there's a befo- like a performer that's name, different. and then someone will come along and be like, it's too close to this name, you have to change it, and stupid shit like that. Do you remember when Cadbury's tried to trademark a colour? They did, didn't they? I, d- I didn't follow it. It was too infuriating. I feel like they did. That is a really pretty purple, though. It is, but I'm you don't get to have it. it. It's a. It's kind of, It's like a. It's a very royal purple. Yeah, you can't trademark a point on the spectrum of light. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you especially can't trademark pink because pink isn't even. No, this is wrong. Oh God. Eject, eject, pull up. <laughs> danger, Will Robinson, danger. <laughs> you can't trademark the colour pink because technically the colour pink does not work, is not... What the fuck is happening no. to my mouth? Because the colour pink is not a real colour. I feel like the is only explanation wrong? for how this has affected you is that saying the word pink is a trigger word for the micro explosives in your brain. <laughs> and as you were saying it, they were... Detonating in your yeah, yeah. According to scientists, 
pink is oh, not... Oh, of course, according to scientists, that pink, old disclaimer. The things in your eyes that... Eyeballs. That see, no, the parts of your eye, there's like three parts, and they are what makes the colour in terms of what you see, and that that tells you what colour you're seeing. Those three points cannot make pink. Do you know what I mean? I can't believe you're seriously giving a explanation about eye anatomy listen so those three things can't see pink i get what you're trying to say i don't know whether it's true or not maybe it is pink is a feeling i don't think that's true well it's a feeling because you can't see it so so what's happening when i see a pink wall i don't know so why did we go down this path because it's super interesting even though i don't remember all of the literature we could do a podcast called like half remembered facts (laughs) Where we're just like, isn't it true that, like, elephants can't go underwater? Yeah, I think I heard that one time. You suddenly got very sad. You said elephants can go underwater, can't they? Tell me that they can. Yeah, elephants are majestic, regal creatures. I love them so much. I want to cry just thinking about them. I want to touch their strange prehensile trunks. Remember that gif you showed me? Which Gif is that I, I show you many gifts and you show me. And the puppy. Oh yeah. You explain that. It. There was a cat and a puppy, and the puppy fell down like a ditch hill thing outside, and the cat was just like looking at it, and it was like a real like puppy that's weeks old, not like just a little dog. Um, it wasn't like a you could barely dog. see its legs. It was that kind of like little, and it was like. Looking at it, and the cat was looking at it. You could tell the cat was like thinking because it kept like walking at pacing as if to be like, How do I help you? And then the puppy like moved, and but as it moved, it rolled down the hill ditch thing even further. And it was the saddest was thing. And I was like, How are we coming back from this? I don't know how, how I can live. But and this was a gift. Well, I guess it was it a gift, it was a video, yeah, without sound. Um. But then the cat just runs down and like picks it takes up. the puppy in its mouth like its little kitten and runs up the hill with it and does like a big jump and it's like yeah you were so happy it was just so good and then I remember the gift that I saw that I really wanted to show you and I couldn't find it and so I think I'm just gonna have to explain it I'm to sure you. this explanation is gonna suffice for well, this visual gift the caption was I'm trying to help you not eat you and it was like a big Alsatian like a German shepherd and they were on the stairs like inside a house and there was a little kitten and it was trying to like climb up the stairs but it's too little to climb and so the the uh, the massive like Alsatian kept like it looked like it was like sniffing around the kitten the kitten's like no and then it kept doing it and then eventually the Alsatian just grabbed it in its mouth like a cat would and took it all the way up the stairs and plopped it down. And then they just sat together. And it was like the cutest little thing ever. I, just I could tell by your face as you retell this that <laughs> and then I you enjoyed this. It. When I was watching the first gif we talked about, mm. the cat rescuing the puppy. And you saw the roller coaster of emotion on my face. <laughs> and then you saw that I was going to turn the iPad around and show it to you. You were like... Can I trust you? Like, as if I'm about to show you a puppy being slaughtered. 
And I'm like, I was like, yes, I'm trusting you, Gideon. I'm just trusting you. Stick with it to the end because when the puppy rolls down the ditch, it is kind of like Your tear jerking. Like drops. It's like no. Because he really like tumbles end over end. Yeah, he does. If you're so little as well. That's the sound that you make when there are baby animals. I guess. Yeah. I usually make this sound. Hello, puppy. It's nice to make your acquaintance. <laughs> Hello, little kitten. You two are quite okay. Have you ever seen a kitten in real life? I actually haven't. We need to remedy this. You showed me the picture of Rudy yeah. as a kitten recently. Because you don't have that many pictures of him. No. And so when we found them, they are very precious to us. And you showed it me and he's so little. Like you could just pick him up he's in the shiny. palm of your hand. And he's sitting on my chest. Well, the first one, he's like got his head in his like food bowl. And the food bowl is massive. And he's just so tiny and so fluffy. And then another one, he's like sitting just like on my chest. And his head is just so small. He was so tiny. Oh, and he had these little claws and... Because they didn't know, obviously, to, like, not use their claws all the time. And so whenever he would, like, try to climb up me, he would always use his claws. But they were just so tiny. Yeah. So they didn't really hurt. But even if they did, you would take it as a good cat mother. I mean, it wasn't comfortable. Like, obviously, it was a bit like, ow, ow, ow. Stop that. But it wasn't like if he climbed up you with his claws now, you'd be like, ow. Do you remember the other day when he, because he sometimes tries to just jump up the armchair that we have in the living room <laughs> and he couldn't today because there were towels that we had just finished washing on top of the armchair. They were dried, obviously. They weren't yeah. like just, we wet don't just towels. leave wet towels everywhere. <laughs> but we had piled them on top of the armchair until we could find a place to put them. And he tried to jump up. And he bumped into them, and so he couldn't pull himself up the top. So he just dug his claws in like he was mountaineering on the side of Mount Everest. And he just stayed there for a second, and then he, like, tried to climb up using his claws as, like, climbing axes. It was so funny. And cats look so funny when they're alarmed. Yeah. But their ears go back, and they're like, what is this? You're doing such a cute impression of an alerted cat state. He's so cute. So, we did have a third topic for today, but I think we shall save it until next time. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I think we are both slowly melting. Melting. If you melt first, I'm going to eat you. You'd have to suck me up with like a straw. Sure, I can do that. No, I want to eat you with a spoon. Like a melted Haagen-Dazs? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if they made a milkshake where it was like melted Hagen dazs Oh, that would be so good. Speaking oh of milkshakes, I do like a milkshake when it's more. What the hell? Was there was that? a very strange tropical bird <laughs> noise coming from. Uh, we didn't mention we are actually recording live from the Amazon. Yeah. That was a red beaked pelican. Yeah, if you sure. Didn't, if you couldn't tell from the bird call. I do. I prefer it. Like, I really enjoy the milkshake when it's like. Like um, like an ice cream, but like a milkshake, if that makes sense. Like McDonald's milkshakes are perfect. And that's because they're very like, they res- to me, they kind of resemble like a melting ice cream. But you, that you drink. You know, that's like a way that actors 
put on a lot of weight quickly. Milkshakes? They microwave tubs of haagen and drink it like milkshakes. Because it's like... How do you know this? Thousands and thousands of calories. I heard it somewhere. I can't remember. And they melt it so they can have it quicker. So they yeah, can, like, so they can just drink store. it. God, that'd be so fun just to just... Because oh, you always see, like, people like, I don't know, Hugh Jackman or whatever. Hugh Jackman isn't drinking no, microwave I mean, haagen how, like, when they're... He's getting jacked. When they're getting jacked for, like, Wolverine or whatever, saying that they have to constantly be eating throughout the day. They have to purposely take breaks to go and eat because they have to eat so much a day to get, like, that muscle or whatever. And then they complain about how... But it's just eating non-stop. And I'm like, that's... Heaven. Yeah, but they're eating brown rice and steamed chicken breast. That's all they're no, eating. No, 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 no. Some people are like, no, I, I got to just eat like burgers and like ice cream and just pizza. Do you know what the scientific stuff. name for those people are? What? Liars. Maybe what I'm actually talking about is not when people are training to get jacked, but when people are just putting weight on for rolls. Yeah, that comes back yeah, to what I was actually thing. saying. That's a different of thing. Of course, when you just want to put any type of weight on for yeah. a roll you can eat whatever the hell you want anyway my point was <laughs> before we fell into this pit of distraction yeah i think we're already at like three hours something so i think yeah. we should just wrap this episode up and then we can do this third topic next time i think that's a good idea so yeah take it away if you would maestro I wonder what maestro means. Mister? Like it's Italian for... That'd be weird though. Take it away, mister. That's a thing that people say. It's not. It's definitely not. It is. It definitely is. Like in America, like in the 60s or whatever, it's like... And you would know a lot yeah, about mister. America in the yes, 60s. I've watched Mad Men. And that, of course, is a documentary yeah. about ad men in the 60s. Yeah. I don't think so. Yes, people did call each other Mister. They did. They absolutely did. I'm not. I feel like we're talking at cross purposes right now. Sure. So just get on with what you got to get on yeah, with, yeah, sister. Get, get from a rubber Mister. I I yeah. hope so. Otherwise, it's incest, right? <laughs> Funny. Um, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, please share it with anyone else you think may like it. We love you for it. No Platonically, episode- of course. Yeah, plato- of course. That statement doesn't include an offer of romantic relations. I do not know what you were going to say. If you sh- <laughs> do you think I was going to... That statement does not include an offer of a hand job. I- <sighs> That's what I thought you were going to say. On a bus, on the back seat. What is wrong with you? You were like <sighs> at me for like taking it to another level and then you took it even further. These are the type of things that you'll endorse on our family friendly show. Yeah, yeah. I'm morally outraged. Hashtag no handjob. Hashtag all, back. Ha- all the handjobs. New episodes are released about two weeks after the last one, usually. And by two weeks, we mean two to three weeks. <laughs> That's like an hour per week, though, when you think about it. That is true. You can find the podcast on iTunes and very, and very much. You, got, you can tell I'm reading this from something. Shush, shush, don't... don't. <laughs> Don't let them behind the curtain. They can't know. They can't know our performance secrets. Sure. You can find the podcast on iTunes. 
I can't wait for you yawn in yeah, mid-sentence. Yeah, you yawned at the same place. You can find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much all of the podcast services. Or you can go to rtappodcast.com. That's A-R-T-A-T podcast.com, which redirects to our SoundCloud page. And if you've been seeing the news stories recently, if between this and the next episode, SoundCloud goes under, R-I-P, of course. R-I-P. Our deepest condolences. <laughs> you can find our podcast somewhere else. But you'll still be able to get to it via rtappodcast.com. Yeah, just always just go to rtappodcast.com and then you know... Whatever's there will be the freshest. If we stuff. do get uprooted, we may yeah. have to travel around like nomads, podcasting nomads. Yeah. So you can send any feedback or comments to rtappodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, which really helps podcasts like ours. And if I love you... the enthusiasm you're putting into this <laughs> Which read. really helps podcasts like ours. Um we're, and we're our tap podcast on social media if you would like to follow us and talk to us and love us because we love you again not romantically we like you as friends not close close friends more kind of like acquaintances hey they are my family sure said that a bit too strongly a little bit yeah <laughs> i said it like a line from fast and the furious we're family. I just remembered something. You and me, we're family. We race cars together and we're family. I was at my mum's and we were talking about one of, like, the car films. I can't remember what she was saying. And she was like, what was the first Fast and the Furious called? Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay. <laughs> that was really funny. Gone in 60 Seconds is a kind of a good film. Yeah, because she was like... Isn't that Gone in 60 Seconds guy on the TV? And it was like a music channel and it was playing that Wiz Khalifa song that's got like a tribute to like Paul Walker in it. And she was like, oh. And then she was like. And then she showed that she doesn't even know what Fast and the Furious is. I thought that was funny. And then for the longest time, I was like, obviously, no, it's just called Fast and Furious. And then in my head, I was like, Gone in 60 Seconds, what is that? I couldn't place it in my brain, so I had to look it up. Cool. I don't know why I felt the need to share that bit of information with you. I'm going to suck Ryan up with a straw now. I don't deserve to be eaten. I drink your milkshake. I drink it all up. My milkshake brings other boys to the yard and they're like, it's better than yours. I've obviously seen this scene from this film <laughs> on YouTube, <laughs> which basically makes me a film snob. I know how you sometimes... I do act like you've seen films, but you've just read the <laughs> Wikipedia page. <laughs> That's basically the same. It's not the same. It's actually better than watching the film because it's quicker. Remember that Daniel Radcliffe film that you what, read the Wikipedia page for? You were so outraged. You were like, I'm so glad I didn't watch that film. Oh, the horror film? The woman, the last black woman in black or something. The last black woman <laughs> in black? I, I... I guess that's a bold <laughs> film for Daniel Radcliffe. I'd actually watched that film. It was called The Woman in Black. <laughs> I don't know why you had to insert two additional adjectives. Uh, yeah. You were like, read it. And I was like, all right. Yeah, I sometimes, like, <laughs> for any type of film where I feel like there's going to be like a big twist, sometimes if I'm <laughs> watched. I'd like a delayed reaction. Sometimes if I watch the trailer 
and I can tell that it might not be a very good film, I do sometimes get that urge to just go and read the Wikipedia page and just see, is it going to be like a crappy twist that pisses me off? And then I get to preemptively save myself the hassle and the infuriation. You know what it is as well? That was essentially a horror movie and you don't like horror movies. You know why you don't like horror movies? Because you think it's cheap when you get like... Jump scares. This is very true. Not even like jump scares, but like any kind of thing that makes you go like... Not just jump scares do that. And you can't stand that it got you. That's why you don't like horror movies. It's not that I... I'm like, oh, I can't believe they got me. I just don't like the experience of being jolted by a jump scare. Uh, It doesn't scare me. It just makes me jump, which isn't scary. Films that, like, I wish there was a website that compiled horror films (laughs) that have little to no jump scares, but are just either, like, super gory or super tense or super, like, psychologically fucked up. Because those are the type of horror films that I could actually appreciate. Yeah. I like... So like psychological, really like fucked up films like that, and like thrillers. But I also do really like a jump scare. Film. You're welcome to them. You I can't watch, watch them, them with on me. my own. Because you're worse. The Strangers is one of the best jump scare movies ever. Are you I getting paid to mention this film? I've mentioned at it every opportunity times this year. Um, but yeah, it's so good. We're foot wrestling again. Yeah, I think maybe it's time to wrap this shit up. Wrap our feet together. Oh, because they love each We could other. do a three-legged race. Did you ever do that at sports day? Probably, yeah. You don't remember? I don't remember a sports day. A three-legged race is not something you forget. I feel like that should be carved onto your tombstone. <laughs> I feel like you should write that down. On my skin? <laughs> that really got you for some reason. I don't that know why. So funny. Oh, oh my god! To take us back to the very beginning of the podcast, <laughs> how weird must it be if someone comes to a sign-in and they're like, "Can you autograph my arm?" Because I'm gonna then go yeah. and get it tattooed. Some people don't like that. Imagine the pressure you'd feel to get it, just like your perfect signature. Yeah. I've seen some like actors and stuff say that they don't like that. Um, and also, but that as, would also suck as a person who wants to get that done, asking your favorite person to sign them, and they don't do it. Right, but it's a weird request, to be honest. I realize now saying that like autographs are meaningless, but yeah, people get autographs on their bodies. That's so weird. Not that I'm judging you. It must be weird as a male celebrity as well, with this whole like accepted thing of like. There is a certain type of woman who will come up and ask you to sign her breasts and think nothing of it. And then it's like, this doesn't feel... Surely as the signer, you're like, this doesn't feel right. I shouldn't be doing yeah. this. Like, What do you mean you shouldn't now, you know? Because... If they want it, that grown-up wants it, then... You know. But do you actually want to sign this person's breasts? Well, that's the only reason why it should be a case of Do you feel like you I have shouldn't. to? Because that's like an accepted yeah. thing as a celebrity. It's got to be weird, like, knowing someone got like a tattoo of you or something. Whether it's like Of a, your face? Yeah, whether it's like a signature or like your face or your name or... That's weird. Just a huge life-size tattoo of... What if someone... If you want to talk about a creepy film, 
what if your next door neighbor got a perfectly realistic tattoo of your face on their face and they never talk to you about it? Every time you see them, they just have like a really exquisitely well-done tattoo of your face on their face. That's weird, man. I think I'd be pretty freaked out by that. I think maybe I'd even move house. This is the sequel to the Nicolas Cage, John Travolta film Face Off. You have to do it. This one would be called Face On. Yeah, sure. You're not going to do your impression? I've already done it before on the podcast. On the podcast? I don't do a very good Nicolas Cage. No, but it's funny. I know, but I've already done it once. I never said it was good. None of my impressions are good. (laughs) Did you really do it? Yeah, I think so. Don't get it. Do it's it. also much more in the hands. It is, yeah. And the way that you, like, shake your head. You love Nicolas Cage. I think he's underrated. <laughs> he has a solid body of work. He's the surrounded same by in everything. a lot of very, very questionable choices in terms of his career. But there's some gems, <laughs> if you're willing to sift through the garbage. Say what the gem is that we were talking about the other day. I don't... Oh, okay. (laughs) I forget how this came up, but I basically just said to you, the National Treasure films are underrated. They're actually kind of good films. Yeah, you love them. You made me watch I love them so much that I've seen them once or twice, like five years ago. you've definitely seen them more than twice. I don't think so. You made me watch one. Okay. How does that prove I've seen them more than twice? You held a gun to me. I did. And said, watch it. That is what I would say. You didn't say that you would shoot me, but it was implied. It's definitely implied if I'm holding a gun to your head. (laughs) You can't then argue before a judge. I wasn't telling her I was going to do anything. (laughs) I was just, you know, exercising my arm with the weight of a gun in my hand. Sure. I think it's time to go now. This is like entering... I can't put words together, Phil. Is it possible that we've already died and this is limbo? Where we just have to keep rambling on and on? I mean, it'd be good in the sense that we're together and nothing horrible's happening. Apart from this unending podcast. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. The music used during the intro and outro was kindly provided by Christopher from soundslikeanearful.com and our podcast art was created by the talented Jake Contu whose work you can find at jakeontou.artstation.com See you next episode.